It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You got that rocker, MJ in the house, otherwise known as Marty Janetti. You know how we do rock and roll, starting and strolling, and we're doing it right here on the Rundown Wrestling Network. Keep on rocking. Yeah. The cult of personality I know your anger I know your dreams I've been everything you wanna be Oh, I'm the cult of personality I like Mussolini and Kennedy the cult of personality. The cult of personality. The cult of personality. It's Tuesday. You know what that means. It's episode 100 of the most elite show on the Rundown Wrestling Network. This is the AEW Rundown. My name is Adam. I'm your host, Silas. Here, what's up, buddy? What's going on, man? How you doing tonight? Episode 100. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought they'd have lasted this long? For real. Looks like we made it. Uh, How you doing? I'm good. I went to the dentist today for the first time in like 20 years. Okay, that's bad, man. Aren't it's you so bad. supposed to have a yearly checkup or you lose your dental insurance? Like, no, well, the, uh, no. Okay. That's how it is in my work. But if you, no. if you don't have an annual, you're not getting your dental insurance. No, we sign up through Emily's work. We use it for the kid. If we've been using it for the kid, the kid's been going to the dentist, but uh, I mean, not I the guess, grown-ups. I guess if you haven't had to go to the dentist, then, you know. Yeah. Uh, also, I just hate the fucking dentist. But, What'd they find? Um... Uh, I, I no no abscesses, thankfully. Nothing. That, that's what kind of sent me into a panic because my friend John, who who goes to to Lucky Pro with me, just had a, had to deal with the fucking abscess, and I'm like, oh fuck. So mm. I should just I, sh- I should, but uh, nothing that. Just some you know. Uh, she said the upper teeth were good, the lower teeth. There's a little bit of periodontal disease, but that's reversible. They had to they had to give me a couple of fillings. Oh, they did and, it right there. They didn't. They didn't oh, yeah. schedule you to come back for the fillings. No, it, it was it was fun. They, today today they did. They, they she had to grind down some of my top teeth because they were too sharp. Um, uh, I would have been like, no, you're not allowed to do that. I like my the, sharp teeth. The molars are a little sharp. I gotcha. Um, and then uh, they did the fillings. I don't know if they were new fillings or if they were just kind of fixing up the ones that I have because I have two on each side from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they, they did some other stuff. Uh, but she, it was always 200, it was 200 bucks today after the insurance. And she, and the dentist was like, and we're going to maximize, we're going to maximize your, your insurance payout. Cause what we're going to do is we're going to schedule your cleaning separately. So we can bill that as a separate visit. And I'm like, yep. God damn right. You are amazing. 
So it was two. It was two hundred bucks today. It'll be like forty five bucks in two weeks when I go for my cleaning. So, yeah, yeah. Considering because I because I asked her, I was like, "That's after the insurance." She's like, "Yeah." She pointed to a different part of the page. She's like, "The pre insurance was here. It was like twelve hundred dollars." I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, "Okay, that's good." Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, it was it was not nearly as bad as I as I was expecting because I always fear the worst. Um, but then my teeth aren't aren't even close to falling out of my head, so we're good. We're good. That's good. Couldn't feel couldn't feel my my jaw for a couple of hours. Yep. But how the Novocaine feel when they fucking put the needle and was like, yeah, I was like, she's like, that's the worst part. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) but you don't say. Yeah. But yeah, I did that. I and I couldn't I couldn't feel my tongue and I couldn't feel my lip and my chin. It was very weird. Like I was touching my uh, just touching my beard, and I was like, I can feel it with my fingers, but I can't feel my fingers with my face. But went to the grocery store, came home, watched uh, watched Rampage, watched BTE. There you go. You know, it's always weird for me when I'm at the dentist. If they, um, let's say, the hygienist is doing something, but then the doctor wants to come in and like poke around, right? I'm sitting there, mouth open. And they're like talking about like you know regular daily shit, and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> cramp. And, then, and meanwhile, they're like, "Does it hurt? Does this hurt? What about this?" And I'm like, "Uh, uh, uh." Oh, they'll be like, "So, Sal, what do you think? You think the weather's gonna stay nice?" I'm like, "Uh, uh." <laughs> <laughs> they fucking, they had this like vacuum thing, not just the the, oh, the I, tube that the girl had. It's like it looks like a it's like a disc now that they put up against inside your cheek. Mm-hmm. So, and then, yeah, just because uh, they were doing, they were, like, cleaning, like, scraping all my lower teeth. and <laughs> Yeah. So I'm, like, lying there with my mouth wide open, and my jaw is going, hey, ow. Yep. And then at one at one point, she's got the little picky thing, and I swear it felt like she was trying to remove one of my teeth with it. Because it was, I mean, mm-hmm. but... <laughs> Go to the dentist, folks. Go to the dentist more often than once every twenty years is what Fuck I'm trying to sake. say. Go to do your do your six month appointments and just be be good to your teeth. Is your because... face sore? No, no, that's good. That means they didn't do nearly as much work as they could have. <laughs> My arm no. is sore. No, I was, I was, uh, Killikin, we're, we're live on Twitch, by the way. Of course, Would you like to know slash... why my arm we'll, is sore? You son we'll of a bitch. We'll get. I was. <laughs> I was in the middle of a sentence, rude. Mm. Um, but Killy can Killy can verify that I was. I was saying I was nervous. I was kind of terrified because I was convinced they were going to be like your lower jaw is falling off and it's going to cost you fifteen thousand dollars to fix it. So, why is your arm sore, Sal? My arm is sore because I got a brand new tattoo. <laughs> Sal's so mad at me right now. I am not. Um, so to go on with my other forearm tattoo on my left arm, I have four aces on my left arm. So on this arm, you I got, got four eights. No, you I got, aces and no, eights. no, no. I got a really demonic looking wolf. It is a cool wolf, an angry wolf, and it is it is badass, and it hurt like a fucking son of a bitch <laughs> because the person I went to is really really good and. The, and they made sure to do a lot of detail and do it like the clean way. And like basically, after they do the outline, they redo it with a much thinner liner. 
and that shit fucking hurts. Mm. <laughs> Emily has a tattoo. I've never gotten a tattoo. I'm not averse to getting a tattoo. I just don't can't think of anything that I want to sit through that to have permanently emblazoned on my body. Yeah, but, because uh, once it starts, you kind of have to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like that episode of Friends. Where PB gets PB Jesus Phoebe gets the little the the one little poke of blue and she's like no it's the planet Earth from very far away. Um, no Sal's Sal's mad at me because both Sean and I made Baron Corbin jokes when he talked about it being a lone wolf. I mean, it's so original. Uh, but no, um, it is funny because. I have a few tattoos, and, and as I'm getting this one, I'm like, this is going to be the last one, because I ain't sitting through this shit again. I forgot how fucking painful this fu- <laughs> fucking thing is. Dude, there are people, there are people I know. I just thought of Cody Rhodes, and I feel bad for him now. <laughs> oh, that, shit. That got tattoos, like, on the back of their shoulder blades, and it's just, like, certain parts on your spine, it feels like someone's just taking a hot torch and just, like... Yeah. Um... And I'm, that's why I don't have any back tattoos. What, yeah. what was the point of a back tattoo anyway? It's not like you can see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a rose, I think. Um, <sighs> I found this show. Wait, wait, wait. I told Because okay. I, I told the tattoo artist a story, so now I feel like I have to share with the, with the <laughs> podcast. Um, there was this girl that we That'll knew back in the day. That'll give me time to look up the name of the show. I can't remember. Okay. There was this girl we knew back in the day, right, when we were all like, 18, 19, something like that, right? And she was the girl who the pretty girls hanged around with so they could look better. Was she the girl all the bad guys want? No. Um, she was the girl like the, that the fourth wheel got stuck with. Oh, okay. <laughs> right? So she decided when Massachusetts all of a sudden made it legal to get tattoos down here. You remember that. It was right around when you were in college because before everybody had to travel to New Hampshire to get a tattoo. It was get a tattoo, get some fireworks, buy a pipe, and get a knife. (laughs) (laughs) So Massachusetts allows people to have tattoos, and they convinced this girl, you should get get a lower back tattoo. That would be so sexy, okay? (laughs) And she got her last name. In the weirdest font I've ever seen. It was like bubble letters. And <laughs> mind you, her it, was, la- it was Times New Roman. <laughs> her last name, I'm not even going to, you know, put her business out there, but her last name was very Irish. And they colored it in thirds with half of the word being green, or a third of the word being green, white, and orange. This was the stupidest looking tattoo I've ever seen in my life. Her, na- her name her name was Amelia, very Irish. <laughs> and her friends, her quote unquote friends, <laughs> were like, this that is was so good. Yeah, this is so good. You're going to look so, oh my God, you're going to look so amazing. <laughs> and I remember she was like, do you think I should get this? And I was like, ah, uh, no. listen, I don't think it's a good idea. She's like, oh, but so-and-so said I look great. And I'm like, Think about that one for a second. <laughs> she it did that, it anyway. It was that font that's the that looks like the the logo for Mash. <laughs> stencil, stencil. That's what it's called. It was stencil. No, it was worse than that. It was like bubble letters. Anyway, as so a the lower show, back tramp stamp. My yes. God. Go ahead. So I found I was hanging out with my friend uh, the other day, of, a couple of weeks ago. We were flipping through Netflix, and there is a show on Netflix called Tattoo Redo. Yep. I've been watching it. I haven't watched it's every actually, episode. But. It's actually 
pretty good. I enjoyed it. Yes, the basis of the show is um, this people with people with terrible tattoos go in with their friends. Yes, and their friend gets to pick what covers up the terrible tattoo, and the person doesn't see it until after it's done. Yes. So now good luck, fuckers. Their friend is supposed to be like either their their partner or their like closest like bestie. Like it is not just like your acquaintance like it's supposed to it, yeah the premise so far has been people that have known each other for like 20 years or something like that or we 10, watched we watched like the first two episodes and then fucked off to something else but the, the dude the dude who has obviously tried every recreational drug in the world mm-hmm. with the if you can't come in or come on her poem on his fucking chest like what the <laughs> fuck and that's not oh, even the one you want to cover it up. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, that is a very interesting, by the way, genre, is people who try to fix bad tattoos. <laughs> there was another show. Um, I think it was on Spike TV, because it was back when I used to watch TNA, right? And it was called Tattoo Nightmares. And there was this fucking shop in L.A. with all these wicked, amazing, like, talented artists that would do cover-ups. And people would walk in there with the worst tattoos that I've ever seen in my life. Like, one guy got, like, cow udders down his ribs, and each one of them pierced, like, as a tattoo. (laughs) And he wanted that covered up. (laughs) Can't imagine why. I can't imagine why you would do that to yourself. But, you know. Anyway. <sighs> this has been Tattoo Talk. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, shall we? We shall. We're going to uh, to begin this episode a little bit in reverse than how we usually begin it. For all of those looking forward to BTE, don't worry, we'll get there. But tonight, we start with last week's Dynamite. BTE's the icing on the gravy now. Because we got to mm-hmm. go and chronological order so this shit makes sense or what of it is going to make sense makes sense dinamite episode 103 live from we'll get there straight into the opening video this week then jr hollers us into existence from newark new jersey well i'm sorry i've been to newark it's a shithole (laughs) you know why we stayed in newark because it was cheaper than staying in new york city of course it was (laughs) fucking newark yeah but then we just it took 10 minutes for us to drive to new york city CM Punk enters in order to take his spot at commentary for the evening. Punk walks down the steel grating covering the pyro. Hope someone doesn't actually hit a button. Then he dives into the crowd. He does half lap, hugs someone cosplaying as Dusty Rhodes, then jogs back up to the stage. Not going to lie, the Dusty cosplayer made me laugh because he had like, pretty, fake fat muscles, good. too. <laughs> it was pretty good. Pretty. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, CM Punk is on commentary. I would say why, but then we found out why a little later. JR promotes tonight's main event. Tony talks about Brian Danielson. Excalibur talks about a pointless tag team match as well as Dan Lambert. Tony talks about your pointless women's match and Darby versus Spears. JR says up next is Adam Cole versus Frankie Kazarian. And here comes Adam Cole. Baby! Frankie's uh, Elite Tron, is that what you want to call it? Frankie's Tron video says Heavy Metal Rebel. Okay? Yep. His nameplate says The Elite Hunter. Yep. Justin Roberts calls him, you guessed it, Frank E. Kazarian. Can we just pick one and stick with it? And I swear to God, Justin said Frank E. Kazarian. 
Not Frankie, Frank E. Okay, the Elite Hunter has obviously been his gimmick since they lost that match, right? Yeah. The Heavy Metal Rebel goes way back, though. Like, he's always, you know... You guessed it? Honored Heavy Metal... Was that? Wait, did it also say you guessed it? No, that's what Justin said. Justin oh. Roberts said you guessed it. Oh wait, that's what he said. Yes. <laughs> oh man, what? What? That's weird. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Excalibur says Frankie's wearing red trunks in homage to SCU. That's not uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> not even fucking. Thanks, Excalibur. What are you, Dave Meltzer, making up shit? Anyway. The bell rings and we look at the fifteen hundred people left raw, don't you know? The bell rings and we look at the crowd. I personally am laughing at the guy with this time that says, I just hope they have fun. Yep, me too. <laughs> I pop for that guy. Thank you, sir. Uh, Excalibur promotes trading cards as we wrestle back and forth. Kazarian gets a headlock takeover off the ropes, and Frankie gets a shoulder block. We trade blocked hip tosses and Kaz with the drop toe hold back into the side headlock. Back to the ropes for the break, but cold back suplexes Frankie over the ropes to the floor. Cole follows and throws Kazarian into the apron as Punk tries to tell us that the AEW ring is different from any other pro wrestling ring. He does not elaborate on this. Yeah, that, that, that I tell you, you're right, Tony. That's a good call. That apron, it, ladies and gentlemen, that's not your standard wrestling ring. This is very, this is a very different ring. How? Why? <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> Also, did you just make that up? Because I don't think no, I've ever heard anybody say that. Hundred percent made that up. <sighs> They're like, no, 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 that that was TNA's ring. We're not, we're not in TNA. <laughs> Back in the ring, Cole bows to the crowd. He goes for Frankie on the apron and eats a scissor kick. Frankie with a sunset flip, but Cole rolls through and pump kicks Kaz right in the face. Rear chin lock from Cole. Kaz fights out, hits a couple of chops off the ropes. We trade counters, and Kaz, Kaz gets a victory roll for two. Kaz then turns Cole into a pretzel. Cole kicks Frankie in the face until he lets go. Uh, Ushiguroshi by Cole gets a two-count. Cole tunes up the band. Frankie catches the kick into the corner for a roll-up into a German, and that's a two-count. Double knees in the corner. Kaz wants the chicken wing, but it's blocked. Bret Hart by Cole gets a two-count. Then Kaz runs right into a super kick for two. Uh, Cole goes to the second rope. Kazarian turns the Panama Sunrise into an Alabama slam. The springboard leg drop gets a two-count. Uh, we trade forearm strikes from the knees, then continue standing. We trade kicks. Kazarian hits a big clothesline. Cole with another Ushiguroshi, and that's another two-count. A successful Panama Sunrise by Cole. He drops the knee pad and knees Kaz right in the back of the head, and that's your three. Uh, the elite hunter, not very good at hunting, it seems. He should be the stooge hunter. The cutler hunter. <laughs> that would be even better. Okay, a couple things um, before yeah. I forget. So... Shivani, in the beginning of this match, Shivani and JR are talking about how Adam Cole has made the elite more powerful, but also fuck the elite because they're such bad people, right? And Shivani says, the elite have destroyed a lot of things, and Punk, without missing a beat, goes, including your friendship with Britt Baker? Just say it, Tony. Just say it. And he's like, a, 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 a girl and a guy can be friends, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Second thing. Um... It is so weird hearing Excalibur and Punk, but also JR, tiptoe around certain things about Adam Cole and not want to say the wrong thing on air that has anything to do with NXT. <laughs> uh, perfect example, at the finish, he sets up for it, he drops the knee pad, and Excalibur goes, oh, he's going for the shot. <laughs> you don't want to say last shot? It's that shot to the back of the head that beat that guy that one time. 
Um, but that being said, I did enjoy this match. It was oh, a yeah. good back and forth. I loved the fucking the springboard off the second rope into the leg drop by, that Frankie did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved him blocking the Panas- Panama Sunrise initially. Uh, and the Ushigoroshi out of nowhere was nice, the first one. I, yeah. I thought that was really good. Yeah, we, we expected this to be a really good match, and I'd say they, they delivered. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. And then what happened? Cole has a microphone and asks if we're, asks us if we're ready for story time with Adam Cole, baby. Who's ready oh. for story time with Adam Cole, baby? I started a video, a Snapchat video like that this week. Uh, hope is a dangerous thing, he says. That locker room hopes they can keep up with the elite, but that ain't happening. There are three guys who've gotten under his skin, Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy. He challenges them to a six-man at Rampage Grand Slam. The super click is back, he says, and there's not a damn thing anybody can do to stop them. That's right. Adam Cole, Young Bucks, ROH, 2016. That's what they were. They were the super click. I get it. I get it. Uh, (laughs) Also, um, this is what I am shocked that he, he was... For the past four years, the highlight of NXT. Now he's not with that company anymore. I'm not blaming him or that company. I'm just saying this is still so, like, mind-jarring for me. Because he's so fucking good on the mic, man. He's And it's easy. It's just... He, he reminds me of Shawn Michaels. Obviously, he's said a bunch of times that, you know, Shawn is a mentor of his. And obviously, he looked up to Shawn Michaels. But... His delivery is so fucking... It's so on point. It's so fucking good. Um, One thing that I really took fucking pause with is that at the beginning of this match, uh, JR says something like, Oh, uh, CM Punk, you know this young man, Adam Cole, very well, don't you? And he's like, Oh, well, not as well as you think. But, I mean, I am the reason he's there because... Like, without saying the words ROH, like, basically, I built ROH, and I'm the one who made Adam Cole. I was like, the fuck did you just say? (laughs) Like, dude, he's never even trained with you. What are you talking about? Like, you act like you're the only one who was in ROH back in in 2005. It was just weird. It was really, like, like a double turn. Like, I'm sorry, you're the reason Adam Cole became a professional wrestler? He said that. He said that line on commentary. I... (sighs) I don't know. Uh, we then go to synchronized promos from the Lucha Bros and Butcher and Blade. They'll fight for the titles on Rampage. More on that later. Uh, I make this point more clearly in Rampage, so I want to skip that line in my notes. We'll talk about that later. We're promised MJF next, and we go to break. Mm-hmm. When we come back, Tony's in the parking garage with Sammy Guevara and Fuego Del Sol. Uh, we only cut into this video slightly late. Fuego's got himself a new used car, but says he'd trade it all away to be TNT champion. Sammy goads him into challenging Miro for the ramp for, for Rampage this Friday, Hyundai versus title. That seems fair. You know, I was a lot more mad at this when I watched it, and then by the end of Friday night, I was like, I'm not as mad anymore. We'll get there. <laughs> but yeah, this was so dumb. I was like, so dumb. For my, I'm not kidding you, my first reaction. Nobody wants that fucking car. <laughs> Miro's probably not- got a goddamn truck, like or or a fucking Ferrari. Why does he want that fucking car? Nobody wants that. It's a Hyundai, <laughs> and it's a shitty one. So it's a, that's an Elantra. Enter, enter MJF as Jr. calls him a blister on the ass of life. 
Punk's uh, like, oh, you can swear on this network? Fantastic! (laughs) (laughs) He says the crowd should feel sympathy for him because he's stuck in Newark, New Jersey, the armpit of America. Okay, okay. Please allow me, because this was the best deadpan line I've ever heard Excalibur deliver. Punk goes, isn't he from New Jersey? And Excalibur goes, he's from Long Island. It's like Jersey, but worse. <laughs> I'm fucking die. Is that is that better than Mark Henry? He's not even German. <laughs> it was close. It was really close. Uh, MJF makes a local reference, then talks to us at home. He says he was informed that some of his words last week may have offended us. He wants us to know that he doesn't care. Good. Then he wants to have a chat with Brian Pillman. Not Junior D. Anyway. Uh, he then talks to the canvas because, you know, Brian's in hell. Yeah, that was very Randy Ornish. <laughs> Brian's not up there. Because he he's goes, down he looks there. up and he's like, Mr. Pillman. He's like, oh, who am I kidding? Oh, he stomps on the floor and he's like, hey, Pillman. He tells Pillman, yeah, he tells Pillman to tell Pillman Jr. that if he shows up in Queens, he will massacre him. He hits the catchphrase, but is interrupted by Pillman Jr.'s theme song. He sends Wardlow to meet Pillman at the tunnel, but Pillman comes to the crowd. He wastes enough time that Wardlow can get back in the ring. Wait. Yes. Okay. First of all, um, yes, Pillman's music hits. We do get a slight reaction from the crowd. And MJF, without missing a step, goes, meet him up there, meet him up there, meet him up there, meet him up there. And as soon as he sends Wardlow out, I'm like, he's coming from the crowd. (laughs) And then Pillman Jr. gets in the ring with a chair in hand, okay? Yeah. And JR says... Well, there he is, Brian Pillman Jr., king of the back door. (laughs) Julia, is there something you'd like to tell us? He had to have done that on purpose. There's no way he he did that without realizing what he had just said on live TV. Well, which Rumble was it that had all three faces of Foley? Was that 97? 97. 7 or 8, but I think it was 7. It might have been 98, actually. Either way. Uh, I was watching that for shits and giggles once a few years ago, and I, I tweeted at Jr. because Jr. because said because Mark Henry and Ahmed Johnson were in the uh, in the Royal Rumble and were fighting with each other, and Jr. spits out Mark Henry really handling the Big Johnson. <laughs> I tweeted Jr. to ask him if that was on purpose, and I don't remember what he said back. He, he said, said something really, back. Adam, and he gave you like did, the I think eyebrow. he did actually. I think he may have. Uh, uh, no, I remember but, that because you like posted it everywhere. Like you're like, look, JR responded to me. <laughs> I get excited. Um, but yeah, Pillman comes through the crowd with the chair. But like I said, he wastes enough time that Wardlow can get back in the ring. What a fucking idiot! Like you have a chair. You you had the jump on on Wardlow. You had a chair. You did nothing. You didn't even take a swing at MJF. You were just like, okay, hey Wardlow, now's your cue to come back. <laughs> Come on back, Wardlow. Come on back, Wardlow. Uh, he slaps Wardlow, then low bridges him, then swings the chair wildly, but Wardlow hits the floor. Hmm. So he hit nobody with a chair. Correct. Wow. You're already not anywhere near the level that your father was. <laughs> Earl, uh, earlier today, JR actually spoke with Pillman Jr. JR. Well, okay. No. <sighs> Why did we just do an in ring segment <clears throat> with live Pillman Jr.? To then go back in time to a sit-down that JR had with Pillman 
earlier that today. That Shouldn't we have reversed that? Yeah. <laughs> JR, who's really showing off those old man tits in that black shirt, says he remembers the day Brian Pillman told him he was having a son. He says he feels bad for Junior because he was humiliated last week. Way to make yeah. the kid feel like shit. <laughs> he asks Brian if he plans on whipping MJF's ass next week because that's what MJF needs. Yeah, well, that should have happened first. The, yes, it should have. And also, I think JR, it just came off as like, dude, you're not getting this kid over. You're making him look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, damn it, Brian Jr., they messed you up last week. They left you and Griff Garrison laying. What are you going to do about that? Now, Brian, now, now, Brian, I can't help but notice that last week on the show, Maxwell Jacob Friedman really made you look like it's just a piece of shit. <laughs> and 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 I can't help but think that maybe, maybe you are a piece of shit. Are you a piece of shit, Brian Pillman Jr.? Because I, I knew your daddy, and I remember the day that your daddy told me that he was having a baby boy, and I said, that baby boy ain't going to grow up and be no piece of shit. Are you a piece of shit, Brian Pillman Jr.? That's basically what he said. <laughs> uh, uh, Brian, Brian admits that he let his dad down last week, see. then talks about how shitty his childhood was. We're, we're just fucking lining them up, lining them up for this red-hot baby face, right? Like, this, this shit will get him over. He says he's feral. Rawr. He did say, okay, I, you know what? I appreciated the very, very slight um, sh- uh, display of anger at the end of that, where he was like, my upbringing was feral! Rawr. Like, oh, yeah, you know what? More of that. More of Pat. Like, give me real. Give me, give me my mother was a crackhead. Okay. Don't give me the fucking baby face that was scripted on the 1986 promo card. Can we talk to Methany? (laughs) Uh, Up next, pointless tag team action. But of course, when we come back first, we have to talk to Alex Marvez with the Geriatric Express. Jungle Boy speaks first. What? Interrupting Alex. Jungle says he has better friends and better hair than Adam Cole. Then Christian interrupts him. What a dick. Yep, Christian cuts off Jungle Boy. <laughs> Christian makes an NXT joke, accepts the challenge, then makes another NXT joke. <sighs> Jungle, Bo- Jungle Boy says, see you at the Grand Slam, baby. <laughs> and then Luchasaurus roars ass. Yes. Because he's a dinosaur, you see. Okay. There's so many things that I hated about this backstage. <laughs> um, Christian cutting Jungle Boy off the whole time. I'm like, this better lead to Jungle Boy turning on him. <laughs> I don't even give a shit who's the face at this point. Just I just need Christian to fucking get punched in the mouth. Because that's like the ninth time he's done that. Yeah. Also, Christian, naturally a better heel. He's, you know, always said that about him. So maybe it's time. Um, speaking of which, really, Christian, you piece of shit, you're going to make a Wednesday Night Wars joke? Re- you? You. Really? Like, I expect that shit from the Bucks. But you? Okay there, buddy. Wednesday Night Wars joke. Get the fuck out of here with your bullshit. (sighs) Also, you're used to losing the Wednesday Night Wars, so you're putting Cole over like a piece of shit. Not like he's the biggest signing right up there with Daniel Bryan. Do you know what I mean? You're making it sound like Adam Cole's the reason they lost the war. Adam Cole, baby. No, who? Alongside who? 
the other guy. <laughs> Daniel Bryanson. Yes. All right. I, I, I hated that segment. Anyway. <clears throat> Didn't do anything for Jungle Boy. Made him look like a bitch. Luchasaurus roared at us. That reminds me. Adam Cole said that he hate he, he very quickly hating three people. Christian, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. He doesn't hate Luchasaurus. He literally was told to say that. He doesn't even know who Luchasaurus is. Yeah, he hasn't had no interactions with <laughs> He's Jungle like, Boy I or hate Luchasaurus. Christian, and I hate Daniel Bryan, and I hate Jungle Boy. Also, I hate Luchador. No, wait. Luchasaurus. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Match number two, FTR versus Matt Seidel and Dante Martin, or as I call them, Team I'm Sick of My Dumb Brother Holding Me Back. Or as I call them, Dante. I like mine better. <laughs> uh, we begin with both teams already in the ring. <laughs> That's my oh, first sake. note. Okay, why did they both get jobberin'? It's not even like when you turn on the program at 8 o'clock and it's that big fight feel like I talked about a couple weeks ago. No, this is like match two and we're already doing job entrances because we needed to have 17 pre-tapes before this match. I was wondering while I was watching this if you were just going to write the whole first hour. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, it's way past 8.30. We haven't even started match two yet. Okay. We do at least get formal introductions by Justin Roberts. Seidel has no interest in being in this match and tries to end things quickly with two quick roll-ups after the opening bell, but Dax kicks out both times. After some quick arm drags, Seidel tags in Dante, where both leapfrog Dax and then take him down with a double drop kick. Ooh, fancy. Fancy flippy shit. <laughs> Dax grabs Dante by the hair and forces him into the corner. Dax begins to take control, but Dante fights back. Cash tries to help him out of the on the apron, but Dante hits him with a back elbow. Dante sets up for a springboard, but while down on the apron, Cash then boots Dante in midair, sending him crashing to the floor. Welcome to the business, kid. <laughs> How'd that bump do you? Uh, Cash goes to the outside and throws Dante headfirst into the ring post as the commentators speculate. Cash looks pretty healed up from that forearm injury. FTR maintain control as Punk puts them over as the best tag team in the world. It's like I could have sworn that the whole build to their that other match with X-Lax was because it was their last match ever. Yeah, and that his arm was never the same, and that he had nerve damage, and they couldn't hug his child and everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> couldn't open a beer anymore, and now he's sitting here doing arm drags and fucking uh, DDT. So it was just it was always the stranger. <laughs> Uh, FTR maintained control as Punk puts them over as the best tag team in the world. Okay. Dante escapes a double team and then Reggie's his way to his corner to tag in Seidel. That's a verb now, right? That's a reference I don't get. You, you've you seen gifs of Reggie doing flippy shit. <sighs> I, know, I, know it, 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 I know who that is. And I know he did something with Cirque du Soleil before he became a wrestler. And you haven't seen any gifts of or him in the past six sommelier. months? No. Even when he was with Carmella? Just one, like, walking down the aisle, yeah. Ugh. Anyway. It's, it's not important. He's not important on Ross, so it doesn't matter. Um, 
but for the point of the joke, anyway. Yeah. Seidel hits Look, sp- it's not an episode of the AEW Rundown if I don't ruin at least one of your jokes. That's true. Seidel hits a spin kick and a jumping knee strike, sending both members of FTR to the outside. Dante then comes to the apron so he can jump off of it with Seidel onto FTR as we go to box and box. What was the point of that double team? Is my note. Seidel did approximately nothing on that dive to the outside. Yeah, he holds Dante by the arm. Dante leaps, and then Seidel's just like, yeah. Like I'll never I'm let go. I'll act like I'm doing something. <laughs> back from box, and surprise, FTR back in control. Previous note. Uh-huh. Because I don't know when in, the, when in the match I noticed it, but why are there stairs in FTR's corner? And they're not ring steps. It's like a, a wooden set of stairs leading up to the apron, just in FTR's corner. I don't know. <laughs> Is that for Tully? Like, what the fuck? Probably. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh, Seidel tries to fight back and launches himself off the ropes with a crossbody, but FTR catch him. So then Dante Martin, who I guess blind tagged himself in, even though nobody told me that, thanks commentators, springboards off the top rope to drop kick his partner in the back, which doesn't seem very nice, but the momentum then knocks FTR down. Right. Uh, let's see here. Dante starts rolling on offense. He hits a nice running swanton splash onto Dax. Cash rolls him up from behind and holds the tights, but Dante still manages to kick out. And then he locks Cash in a European clutch pin, but Cash is able to kick out. Dante hits a hurricanrana on Dax, and Seidel runs in to get Cash in a victory roll. We then get stereo pinfalls, even though only Dax and Dante are legal. Mm-hmm. Also, Paul Turner isn't even looking at at Matt Seidel. <laughs> Dude, I don't know what you're doing over there, but this is like the real pinfall. <laughs> Killian would like us to know that they have given up on tallying swears. There's been too many. Wow. You had a podcast with me, buddy. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, I hated that stereo pin fuck, shit. Fuck, 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 fuck. That uh, stereo no, pin shit was, fu- was just terrible. What a dumb spot. Uh, Dante tries to take on FTR by himself, which is a terrible idea. Uh, he falls right into their trap and gets big rigged, and FTR pick up a win on Dynamite. Yay! Yay. They got one. It's out. Mm-hmm. You ever wonder why a drop kick is called a drop kick? Because nothing's being dropped. It's a jump kick, if anything. I thought it was because it's supposed to drop the guy you're kicking. That would be any kick. That's a big boot, is a drop kick. Sure. Ty Conti throws a lot of drop kicks. Is there a point to this? It's just something that crossed my mind. Okay. Your thoughts on the match? Sorry. It was a Matt Seidel Dante Martin match. I like how we take the two flippy guys who are sick of their brothers and then we put them together. Yeah, and we put them against no flips, just fists. Yes. Which is exactly. typical FTR. Exactly. Killian says, aren't all moves technically supposed to drop your opponent? No. A headlock's not supposed to drop your opponent. Just saying. Anyway. Somebody write me and tell me why it's called a dropkick. 
You're the one who fucking, with your Lucky Pro shirt on, you work for local indie promotions, and you've been around people who have had like 30 or 40 years in this business, and you can't ask any of them why a dropkick is called a dropkick? I don't want to presume. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly says, wow, technicality Trent over there. This is a very it's important. It's not technicality, Trent. It's semantic sale. This is a very important part of the show. We oh, have, yeah, it is. We have 100%. to talk about this. We have to the talk most about important. Okay. Because after the match, we go to the commentator's table to discuss... The Suzuki incident. The Suzuki incident. The Suzuki incident. Now, I can only hope this will have as much detail and explanation as the Bonnie situation from Pulp Fiction, but... Don't get that reference either. We'll have to see. No, but our listeners do. You're the only one who hasn't watched that movie, literally. Punk says they take these things very seriously in AEW. And apparently Minoru Suzuki felt very disrespected because last week they didn't play his entire entrance theme song. Something like that. And it got cut off. Yeah, this became a big thing on Twitter with the people who have way too much time on their hands. I didn't. Uh, I believe notice. we call them. I believe we call them stands. Uh, Wait, no, like people really like was yeah. Suzuki working, and he was like mad, or was like this I just don't, an internet? I don't thing? know. I don't know how it started, but it people were bitching on Twitter. Okay, so here's how you know um, that I personally do not give a fuck about the IWC. No offense to any of our listeners who might be part of it. I didn't notice. Minoru Suzuki's music getting cut off last week and we recapped Dynamite. And I still don't understand what the big fucking deal is. <laughs> it's an incident. It's a scandal. Tradition! What the Tradition. fuck? I mean, is this, is this some type of like Jericho fucking breaks the Brazilian flag shit? Is that <laughs> no idea. Are we on the same level as that? I don't know. Anyway, yes, Suzuki felt very disrespected because blah, blah, blah. Um, Also, Suzuki's angry, so here's Suzuki Goon member. Oh, Suzuki Goon Squad member Lance Archer to tell us why. Montanez, hello. We will talk about that later, my friend. We go to a video package of Suzuki highlights while Archer plays hype man for Suzuki. Archer says Mox had, which, by the way, where's Jake? Archer says Mox had the hometown advantage and it wasn't fair. So that's going to change at Arthur Ashe Stadium. This time, this time he will team up this with time. Suzuki, and they will take out this time. Sean Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Archer puts on a stupid trucker's hat that is too small for his head, and him and Suzuki say, Suzuki Goon Squad, Ichiban. Which Excalibur yep. tells us means the acclaimed have arrived. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, yo, listen. <laughs> um, why, why did we just get multiple matches for Suzu- uh, Minoru Suzuki? Like, apparently, there was like a three match deal, so they're like, we got to do something for the second one. Yeah, I sincerely hope that this did not come about because of the Twitter thing. No, no, I don't think it did because Archer is. A legitimate part of Suzuki's faction over in New Japan. Well, no, I don't. I don't mean that. I mean the fact that there is a second match to begin with. You no, know what this I, is. You know what yeah. this is, Sal. You know what? what this is. What is this? 
long-term storytelling. <laughs> Notice how they don't even reference the uh, U.S. title fights that... Oh, I'm sorry. The AEW world title fights that Moxley had with Archer. Or, or the fact that uh, Lance Archer had the United, the IWGP United States Championship for half a second. And beat Moxley for it. Mm. 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 All right. Montanez in the chat says it was worked, so. Okay. So let's, sure. let's go back to the arena so the lights can go out. This leads to the very overdramatized entrance of the deer hunter himself, Malachi Black. So we've been talking about Malachi's black eye. Yeah. Malachi, Malachi Black's eye, Malachi's black eye. What if, hear me out, what if he's just trying to be the other half of Darby Allen? Okay, that's not a terrible idea, and thank God you said that, because I thought you were going to make a Rowdy Piper or WrestleMania 6 right <laughs> Yeah. I really thought that's where you were going. And I'm like, let's, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> So Black gets in the ring, he sits blisscross, toss my sauce, and removes the ceremonial skull. He grabs a microphone and addresses the crowd members as members of the House of Black. Mm. That's a weird thing to call your fan base. Isn't that a Tyler Perry TV show? Personally, I would prefer <laughs> if they were members of the House of Truth, but you know. Oh, my bad. He asks them to please rise because they have an enemy in their midst. In their midst. Whatever. Who, who's the enemy, Zell? Who is this magical, mythical enemy? Ladies and gentlemen, it's TV's own Rosario Dawson! What the fuck? <laughs> oh, because she's on Go Big Show. This? So she's Malachi Black's mortal enemy because she's star. She's Darby, uh, Cody Rhodes' co-star on Go Big Dude, Show. I'm not. <laughs> this felt like every old school Simpsons episode where the Simpsons are in front of the TV and it's like Kent Brockman and he's like, "Now live from the Monster Truck Rally, it's Diedrich Tatum," <laughs> and he's like, "I'm here to support the Monster Trucks." <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? Does does Rosario Dawson have to do with this? She's Cody's guest uh, co-star on Go Big Show. So Snoop Dogg. <laughs> but Malachi Black wasn't in AEW when Snoop Dogg showed up. But I was going to say Snoop Dogg still could show up. Now we just need, uh, is, is it Burt Kreischer who's the other judge? Who the fuck's the other judge? I don't know. But if you already used Snoop Anyways. Dogg before, wouldn't it make more sense to just use Snoop Dogg here again? Whatever. Maybe he was busy and didn't want to fly to Jersey. So Rosario, honestly, would you want to fly to Jersey? Think no, about it. No. So you you mentioned it. She's the co-host for on, on Cody's the Go Big Show. Go Big Show. Go home, Big Show. Um, Rosario, by the way, who just happens to be wearing a Nightmare Family tracksuit. Of course. She steps off from the front row into the ringside area. Uh, Malachi Black then goes out to meet her, and Punk correctly says, we got to get some help out there. <laughs> uh, they jarred each other, but uh, <laughs> coming out from the crowd, here he comes. Coming down the aisle in a suit you can see from outer space. Not the aisle, not the aisle. Coming from the VOMs, <laughs> making his way down the concourse. Go to the VOMs! The American Nightmare... 
Mr. Red Suit, used car salesman himself, Cody Rhodes. Not even used car salesman. It looks like he's fucking dressed up to be to run like the Christmas sale at Macy's. <laughs> Come this way. We've got toiletries. With Black Distracted, Rosario Dawson. He's, he's the fanciest Target cashier I've ever seen. For real. With Black Distracted, Rosario Dawson then jumps on Malachi Black's back and tries to lock him in a sleeper. The distraction allows Cody to get the first shot in on Black. And then even though Cody used a woman as a human shield, got the first shot in, uh, Cody still ends up getting his ass kicked off. His face kicked off. His ass kicked. <laughs> his face kicked off and his ass kicked over the guardrail. Good. Bitch. The two then brawl back into the crowd and back up the stands. This brawl is so intense and so important that as they as the fight rages on, we go to commercial. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> You know what this felt the, like? Oh, God. The fight is next week. Yeah. Why did you announce the match last week? Yep. Do the brawl this week and have the match next week. That's the wrong fucking order. Yeah. This is the five labors of Jericho all over again. That's the wrong fucking <laughs> order. But it's... You, you know, do the brawl last week, announce the match this week. Mm-hmm. Have the match next week. Dude, it's not rocket science. When he's It's not even rocket surgery. When he's beating the shit out of Dustin, have him put his foot on Dustin's throat and be like, I'm gonna crush your larynx, and then Cody charges down, makes but the save, Sal, saves they did, his brother. If, if they did that, we wouldn't have had Rosario Dawson. Are you kidding me? Ah! <laughs> and you know what? That's probably why they did it in this order. So instead, they just announced the match, even though Cody was supposed to be retired. They have this shoehorned, for lack of a better term, interaction between the two of them this week. Mm-hmm. Now, this is also Cody can get his win back, mind you. Let's oh, not forget yeah. that. Oh, yeah. It's not even a dog collar match. Yet. After the. <laughs> but it might be a false count anywhere. And then Rosario Dawson can use the uh, the forklift. <laughs> Bird Crasher's got a chair. <sighs> okay. After break, oh. Cody Rhodes and Malachi Black are gone. Yeah. So uh, let's assume they're still fighting in the concourse somewhere. I like to think we went to commercial and they just stopped and walked off. <laughs> and cut. All right. Cool. Oh, cool. All right. God. I'll see you next week. Have you watched Wreck-It Ralph yet? No. Oh, God, you really have to. You really have to. There's a lot of things I have to watch. That oh, but that one should be, like, pushed to the top of the list. It's such a funny movie. Anyway. And your son will love it. Okay. So we see a highlight package of what happened before break, Goldfish. And then we go to a package for the bunny versus the Queen Slayer. Who fucking cares? After that, we go to... such my, my one note here. Such great acting. Yeah. You know, they call you the Queen Slayer. Well, do I really have to drag you down the rabbit hole 
Is that what you want? Do you want me to drag you down the rabbit hole on dark? After that, we go to a pre-tape. Somebody kill me, please. After that, we go to a pre-tape from the Dark Order. Marvez, forever true to his gimmick, doesn't ask Anna a question, but it doesn't matter since her response is cut off by Uno. Who is that? Oh, this is the sorry. This was the part I wrote. Such great acting. My bad. Ah, uh, okay. Well, Bunny can count for that too. This is very true. Um, Mar- <laughs> so Marvez doesn't ask a question. By the way. Uno immediately cuts off Anna Jay, and then Alex Reynolds immediately cuts off Uno, and then everybody fucking argues, and Anna gets fed up and says, if you guys can't get it together, then I don't want any of you showing up for my match on Rampage. And then John Silver says, even me? And then Anna Jay says, yes, even <laughs> you. <laughs> yes. And then Conti takes her hand, and she goes, I have your back, Anna. No, that's her hand. What the fuck is wrong with you, Tay? (laughs) And then they leave, and then Alex Reynolds and Uno are like, Oh, fucking girls left, man. What the fuck, bro? Any thoughts on this segment? Nope. (sighs) Terrible. Back in the ring, and sadly, it's still my turn. Oh, and for this bullshit, Dan Lambert is in the ring with the men of the year. Stop. How? Make this make sense. How does this man keep getting TV time? All he does is talk about how this company sucks ass. Why do they, why would they, why, in what, for what kayfabe reason would they be like, sure, have a microphone, we'll have a good time. The kayfabe reason... The only kayfabe reason that they've given is that Tony Khan is a fan of America's Top Team. And so he invited Lambert to Dynamite. That one time? Well, apparently we know Tony Khan's a mark. Okay? He just keeps inviting him back. It does, This makes no sense. It doesn't, though. I'm just, you know... Will you come to my show on Dynamite, and will you come on Dynamite and come in the ring on Dynamite and tell about on Dynamite how my company's a piece of shit on Dynamite? <laughs> Let me get through the segment. <laughs> uh, Dan Lambert, by the way, is joined by American Top Team members Junior Dos Santos, Andre Olovsky, Kayla Harrison, and my personal favorite, Paige Van Zant. Why she's my personal favorite? It's got nothing to do with MMA. Lambert makes fun of the crowd and calls the men tiny and the girls fat. Okay, we're really pushing that bot tonight. Lambert continues and rips on the uh, Young Bucks and Adam Cole without mentioning their names. He says they'll jump off of things and do 67 super kicks. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> no, he says... He says, now climb up the, the, the three balconies. And I noticed, please, damn, there are not three balconies in this building. <laughs> <laughs> no, but didn't it sound like he was taking, I mean, he was taking a shot at all of the typical indie flippy bullshit. But didn't it sound specifically like the Bucks and Adam Cole? Sure. To 67 super kicks. I went, wait, I don't think you yeah. should be saying that right now. Uh, Let's see here. Then... 
Jericho arrives because that's what I needed was more old man fight time. I will I will give credit to Dan Lambert because the camera was on him when Judas started playing and we got a solid what the fuck from Dan Lambert in the ring. Ah, uh, that's always good. He speaks for us all. He speaks for us all. By the way, yes. Just for the record, I know it was at eleven o'clock. I know that they probably didn't intend for the for the um, mic to pick it up. But um, spoiler alert, because it's been about a week, I can talk about it now. Biggie cashed in his money in the bank on Bobby Lashley, right? Yeah. And awesome. bo- originally, Lashley was like, "I'm not going to take the match in Boston, where I had yes. no idea there was a show." Me too. Um, so originally, Lashley was like, I'm not going to take the match because I fucked up my knee. And Biggie slaps him. Okay? And again, I don't know if the mic was supposed to pick this up, but you hear you hear Bobby Lashley say, Ring the fucking bell! <laughs> <laughs> and I fucking died. I must have rewinded it's, it like 55 times. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it, it is what it is. Okay. Anyway. Jericho makes his way out, accompanied by his legitimate backup, undefeated Bellator star Jake Hager, who's only mentioned that he's an undefeated MMA star when it's convenient for them. Yes. Rock hard, Jake Hager. That's true. Lambert screams to cut the music and says, no one even knows this stupid song. They're just reading the lyrics off their phones. <laughs> she got the answer on his phone. <laughs> you think you're so smart, crowd. Jersey then responds with the rest of the first verse of Judas (laughs) and the chorus. Thank you, Dan Lambert, for making a bunch of people from Jersey sing. I think they are Bon Jovi. Jericho then tries to get Jericho then tries desperately to get the crowd to get the crowd to sing fat face dipshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he fails at this. <laughs> swearing is cool. But he you realize he was going for the whole crowd to like back him up. Oh, absolutely. Like three people did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh Jericho then makes a gay joke about American top team and asks them which one is on top. R- what was the need for that? Seems that <laughs> What is this? 1999? All, it's all Jericho knows. That's a good point. Tonight we're gonna promo like it's not na na na. Jericho says himself and Big Josh, sorry, Big Jake, <laughs> will not be intimidated. <laughs> the trucker? The lumberjack. Oh, was I, I thought it was... he was a lumberjack. Who am I thinking of? His finishing move was like the log something. Uh, Hager is undefeated in MMA. He's been picking fights. And, and Jericho himself has been picking fights with Brock Lesnar and Goldberg for decades. It's not wrong. He didn't say that directly, mind you, but he intimates very, he, very clearly who he was talking about. Yeah, a raging bill and a uh, former UFC world champion, I think is what he, what he calls Son. Brock. I wish Brock fucked him up. Like, yeah. really fucked. I bet you he could, too. I bet you could I fucking wish, break I, that dude. I wish any number of people would have just fucked Chris Jericho up. Yeah, but I would have been fine point. if Brock did it. <laughs> On camera, preferably. 
uh, even not. <laughs> just as long as the story got out and I could hear no, it. Because I, I, I would really like to see Brock Lesnar punch Jericho's face in. That's true. Like Jericho's like, I'm not scared of Brock Lesnar. You should be. Because <laughs> <laughs> he'll take your sorry drunk ass and fucking make you a pretzel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, Jericho brings up Mike Tyson, threatens to knock out Dan Lambert. And then Lambert stops them and says, if they're going to do this, it's not going to happen in this shithole. Swearing is cool. I mean, again, Newark. Yes. They'll do it next week in the greatest city in the world. It's the greatest city in the world. New York City. You never seen Hamilton? I haven't, actually. Oh, it's really good. Sorry. That should surprise you more than any of the other movies you've referenced tonight that I haven't seen. Yes, I agree. That does surprise me more. Especially because it's on Disney+. Plus. Yes, it is. Anyway. Uh, Jericho then calls Lambert a pussy. Fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, you're a vagina. <laughs> and he says that next week there will be no escape from New York. Punk gets this 40-year-old reference in Pops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Am I done yet? <laughs> no. Not quite. <laughs> I have two other notes from this segment. One, I mean, Dan Lambert ain't wrong about Chris Jericho. Nope. Two. Okay. Wait, when you say Lambert is not wrong about Jericho, specifically because he said, oh, of course you're the one that comes out here because you're so desperate to get these these dumb marks to buy anything from you with their allowance money just to keep yourself relevant. Mm-hmm. That's the part that I was like, yep, mm-hmm, yep. what he said. <laughs> huh. Okay. CM Punk said possibly one of the most offensive things I've ever heard really? in professional wrestling. Did I miss it? When he, compa- when he compared Dan Lambert oh, to, Bobby to Bobby the Brain Heenan. <laughs> Well, how dare you, sir? True, but what he said, you're taking it out of context. What he said was... I'm sorry, Killian, I haven't seen Hamilton. It's like Bobby Heenan if Bobby Heenan owned a closet full of Affliction t-shirts. No, Dan Lambert is not Bobby Heenan in any way, shape, or form. Agreed. But I think he was more taking a shot at Dan Lambert. How is comparing uh, him to the greatest manager, heel commentator of all time, taking a shot at him? Because he's ripping on his wardrobe because he's a wannabe fucking Mm. UFC fighter because that's all they wear is Affliction stuff. Mm. That's why he specifically said Affliction. Yeah, but you you can make the Affliction joke without also saying he's like Bobby Heenan. Right. Well, he said he's like Bobby Heenan if Bobby Heenan owned a... I don't know. The way he said it, I didn't... I don't anyway. think he was actually comparing him to, to the amazing Bobby Heenan. Because if that was the case, Punk, you are dead wrong, sir. Anyway, in the night of a, in the night of a million pre-tapes, then who shows up? <sighs> I can't believe I'm still typing. Then we go to a pre-tape of the Gun Club. Oh, yeah, remember them? They turned on Big Show. <laughs> nobody fucking cared. Didn't even show up at the pay-per-view the next week. Billy does the majority of the talking. Thank God. He says that uh, AEW is supposedly all about wins and losses. Well, the Gun Club 
are undefeated. Him and Colton, undefeated, which is like 3-0. and Him and Austin, undefeated. Austin and Colton, un... Don't yeah. you dare. <laughs> I will reach through this Skype call and strangle you. My note. Of course you're undefeated. You only fight on dark. <laughs> My note. Billy brags about being undefeated on dark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just thought of a very offensive joke that I'm not going to say oh, right yeah? there. Well, me and my two kids have beat every enhancement talent you've put against us. How about that? Yeah. Bragging about uh, being undefeated on Dark is not... That tells you where you are. Um, he says... For, he then fucks up his own promo. God damn it, Billy. This is why we never had you talk. Really? He says, respect will be earned, not given. But you... <laughs> And then I he mean, says, and then he says, if anyone has a problem that's the with the line, what's the problem with it? Because he was talking about himself. Because he was saying nobody respected him. So then he was saying, like, we're going to go out and earn respect. No, 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 you're going to take it because nobody gave it to you. Gotcha. Okay. You know what I mean? And that was the implication, but I, the way he worded it, he worded it um, backwards. Gotcha. Um, he then says. <laughs> And I swear to God, this is his catchphrase, because the way he said it. <laughs> and if anyone has a problem with that, just say when. That's your catchphrase? Is he the, is he the Parmesan <laughs> cheese guy at Olive Garden? <laughs> just say when. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 the, it's the Pepper Boy skit from SNL. Fresh Pepper? He said it like Christian used to say one more match. <laughs> Just say when. <laughs> Parmesan? Uh, okay, finally, I'm done fucking talking. Holy Enter. shit. Enter Jade Cargill for match three, an hour and five minutes into the show. Mm -hmm. Will Layla actually get an entrance, or are we about to go to break? No, nope, turns out Layla actually gets an entrance in order to get that local pop. Gotta get that local pop. Mm -hmm. We get replays of Layla being eliminated by Jade at All Out and then winning on Dark last night. Uh, they go nose to tits, and Layla, Layla tries to pick the leg. It does not go well. Uh, the second time is more successful. She gets some strikes in, and Jade hits the floor. Layla topes Mark Sterling and then gets hurled back into the ring. Hirsch with a waist lock that goes nowhere. She gets backed into a corner. The whip is reversed. Then Layla with a running forearm. Face fucker by Layla. Then two boots to the chest. That's a one. Cross arm breaker, but Jade power bombs out of it, and we go to box. Sadly, the match does not end in box. We come back for Layla countering a Samoan drop into a sleeper hold. Layla gets thrown off, which JR calls a hip lock takeover for some reason. Hirsch tries the German again. It fails again. Waist lock, a whip into a waist lock, and Layla gets the German for a two count. This time, the tope hits Jade. She throws Jade back into the ring, then the running knee, and that's a two. Layla drags Jade into position, then goes up. Jade rolls from under the moonsault and hits a pump kick. Jaded, three-count finish. <sighs> I will say Layla Hirsch is probably the most technically sound opponent Jade Cargill has had to this point. Yep. But Jade Cargill is still not great. No, but Layla at least helped Jade look yeah. passable. Yeah. To which is a very big credit to Layla because so far because, nobody's and, been able to do that. I mean, I'm, I mean, it makes sense. She is a she is a power lifter. She's got those thick thighs for picking up heavy stuff. 
Because she's diminutive, but she's strong, you see. Mm-hmm. She can lift me up and barbecue sauce. My God. Personally, I'm sorry, what? I think it was good to see Jade finally get some adversity and ultimately still win. Mm-hmm. Um, helps with what they're trying to do with her. Um, it was fine. It was better than probably a lot of the women's Dynamite matches have been in the past couple months. So, it was definitely the best women's match that this uh, this company put on this week. It was certainly the best pointless women's match. Hmm. <laughs> Killing's like, I heard thick thighs. <laughs> Hi, friend. Uh, Excalibur throws us to a package on Andrade and Pack from Rampage. Andrade says he never gave them the order to interrupt the match. Jose, who is the personal assistant, remember? Jose says Chavo told him to, and Andrade says Chavo is not the boss. I am the boss. I fucking uh, he, love this, only because I'm such a big fan of Scarface. He is the kingpin, <laughs> and he can beat anyone whenever he wants. He goes... He grabs... First of all, he says, this is my personal assistant, Jose. He is the one who helps me. He then grabs Jose by the tie, and he's like, tell me what happened! And he's like, Chavo we, said... He's like, Chavo? Chavo? Chavo's not the boss. I'm the fucking boss! We never get an explanation on why Jose had a stun gun, but, you know. Nope. Uh, but we <laughs> definitely feel like we've written Chavo off the gun. <laughs> oh, certainly. Just uh, pay twelve ninety nine, and then you'll, uh, you can find that out. Um, Literally, he did a story on that. Oh, for the love. After it was completely obvious, because it happened on fucking television. Right. Uh, Killian says, if AEW includes women with thick thighs, I might have to start watching. I mean, I can let you know when, when there's a Layla Hirsch match, for sure. Or check out Jordan Grace. She's not an AEW. No, that's the other channel. Uh, Impact. Impact Wrestling. Uh, 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 there we are. We got a commentary, then Taz and Hook appear. Taz yells at Punk for taking his job. Hook just nods. Hook also looks like he's stuck a fork in an outlet. Hmm. Uh, I forgot. I wrote that. Uh, Hobbs blindsides Punk. Punk starts to fight back, but Hook, Hook grabs a dragon sleeper. Hook demands they clear off the conveniently not glass-topped commentary desk, and then Hobbs choke slams Punk onto it. Note that I said onto it, and not through it. Just onto it. Ouch. I am the table. Dude, welcome we back, go. CM Punk. I'm sure that brought back Shades of Ryback. We go to break, which the table did not. <laughs> that was we nice. come back from break for a recap of what happened before break. Goldfish. Thank you. Uh, the next Excalibur throws us to a video from Sean Spears. Spears reminds us that he was the one who handed Darby Allen his first loss in AEW. The chairman cometh, and then he's going to wrestle. Match number four. We're riding right along on Dynamite. Sean Spears versus Darby Allen. Spears' theme song now begins with whistling. Less Drake Maverick, however, and more Kill Bill. (laughs) I love that theme song. Oh, so fucking for Drake for Drake Maverick and, and Killian Day. That was so good. Darby comes out accompanied by Sting, which means it's about to get Crockett Promotions eighty seven up in here. Darby sits in the corner, Raven style, so when the bell rings, Spears charges at him and hits a running de- uh knee to Darby's face, a la Cactus Jack. Dude, that's Darby's fault, dude. You could have yeah. fucking sat up before he hit you in the face with his knee. Meh. 
Spear stomps on Darby and drops him stomach first onto the top rope. Spears goes outside and steers down Sting as he throws Darby into the steel steps. Spears then moves the stairs and sets it up between the ramp and the ring. No good can come from that. Spears then knees Darby's head into the steps twice. Ow. Mm. Spears takes a second to flip off Sting, pulls down the knee pad, runs at Darby's head for a third knee, but Darby avoids it, and Spears crashes knee first into the steps. I'm going to fucking kill your kid. Darby crawls back into the ring and begins to set up for the 100-mile-per-hour tope suicida. But Telly Blanchard steps <laughs> in the way. Tope suicida? <laughs> huh? Not bad. Uh, Telly Blanchard steps in the way, and Darby <laughs> stops. Personally, I would have jumped. <laughs> Darby stares down Tully, and Tully slowly backs away. Darby stands in the apron and reaches down to pull Spears up, but Spears clotheslines Darby's leg out from under him. And Darby crashes hard first to the apron and then to the floor. Ouch. My next note, good thing Darby is so relentless because a lesser man would have been fucking crippled. <laughs> Spears throws Darby back in the ring and then goes to the timekeeper's table where he grabs a water bottle. He opens it. Again, stares at Sting. Soaks a black cloth with it. And then, and then proceeds to scrub the face paint off of Darby. Does this smell like ether to you? <laughs> this heinous act takes us to more box. Well, that's just disrespectful. He's just removing that face paint from Dobby. God, now we'll know what that side of his face looks like. Back from box and Spears is Darby locked in the sharpshooter. Darby crawls to the ropes and gets the break. Darby fights back with a basement dropkick and a nice code red that gets a very close near fall. Darby goes up top, but Spears meets him up there. They tussle, but Darby gets him caught in the ropes and starts punching Spears in the knee. So Spears launches Darby off the top rope and down to the canvas. Spears drags Darby to the apron and sets him up for the C4, with the target being the steel steps he set up moments ago. Darby fights free by hitting a backpack stunner over the top rope. This sends Spears to land on the steps ass first. Darby then hits the 100-mile-per-hour tope with Spears perched on the steps so that Spears can go flying off of them. Tope Suispita. Uh-huh. Darby, <laughs> mind you, Sean Spears then went from the sitting position on the stairs to back of the head on the, fl on the ramp. Like that. <laughs> uh... Darby quickly gets Spears and chucks him back in the ring, goes up top, hits the coffin drop, and Darby Allen is your winner. Yay. Not to the match? This was fun. It was. I have a question. Uh-huh. Opposite the stage, opposite the ramp, mm -hmm. why is there so much goddamn space on that side of the ring tonight? Um, I don't know. I was assuming that had something to do with the setup, but yeah, it's a lot. It's weird. Like they like they built the ring off center. I was like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> Good possibility. There was like there's like ten feet of room on that side between the apron and the barricade. That's true. Uh, let's see here. After the match, Sting gets in the ring to celebrate with Dabby. Dabby. But we pan out, and for some reason, FTR here. Zoom out. They square pan, off with pan is left to right. Ah, uh, okay. Well, that's what they did, right? Because the the tilt is up and down. Pan is left to right. Zoom is in and out. 
Okay. But they started with Darby and uh, Sting in the left corner, and Darby celebrating on the corner, turn, you know, on the second rope. And then we went left, and we saw FTR get on the apron. Okay, but she said pan out, so... All right, fine. Uh, they square off with Darby and Sting before all four stop brawling. Tully gets in the ring with a steel chair and whacks Sting in the back. Sting no-sells this, as Sting is one to do. Yeah. Seems to be his gimmick in AEW. He mean mugs Tully back into a corner. This, of course, allows FTR to jump Sting, because Sting is dumb. That's one thing he's been his whole career. <laughs> dumb as fuck. Dumb. <laughs> the four Pinnacle members beat he's down... He's just a California surfer, bro, man. He has no fucking ring psychology. He just wants to ride the waves, bro. Rick, I swear if you turn on me, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> oh, fuck, what, what? <laughs> oh, God damn it! he did it. <laughs> Uh, I said the four Pinnacle members beat down Darby, but apparently Sean Spears never got up. He was still selling on the outside. Uh, Tully goes outside, gets a towel. Meanwhile, FTR set up Sting for a spiked pile driver. Now, I'm sure, I am sure, AW would never let a 62-year-old man who has suffered suffered through spinal stenosis take a spiked pile driver. Nope. No, no chance. chance. So who's no coming chance. to make the save? Stuntman. I Jeff mean, Farmer. Well, we're we're taking it back to 88, right? So where's Magnum TA? No? They Nikolai? Quick, no, it's, they make a quick cut, and it's Jeff Farmer, and then they cut back, and it's... <laughs> um, Farmer! So unfortunately for Sting, Magnum TA doesn't That's why 2.0 we're looking for. <laughs> okay. Can I finish you, my... We need you... So, unfortunately for Sting, no Magnum TA, no Dusty Rhodes, not even a Ricky Steamboat. Not do you know, what, do you know even, what Magnum TA's favorite color is? I do, and I don't, <laughs> I don't want to know. Um, dude, not even Lex Luger rolling his sorry ass down the ramp. Oh, nope. Oh, nope. See, this is why I had to get it in. Uh, I'm coming. No. <laughs> No, instead, FTR delivers Spike Piledriver onto Sting. Granted, Sting tucked his chin long before impact, but still, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Oh, also, uh, that wasn't the heat spot. You would think that would get Sting stretchered out of the arena, right? No, 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 because then we need time for Tully to wipe the face paint off his Sting, because that's where the heat's at, brother. Hey, that's my friend Steve. (laughs) Any thoughts on this segment? Uh, Just waiting for the inevitable. Wait, what's the inevitable? FTR and Tully versus Darby somebody and Sting. Farmer. (laughs) <laughs> I thought you were going to say the inevitable of Sting versus Tully one-on-one. Oh. <laughs> I don't think they're dumb enough to do that, but you never know with this company. Let's go to another pre-tape of Brian Danielson picking a fight with Kenny Omega. Hey, Sal. Yeah. Hey, Sal. Mm-hmm. You, know who, uh, you know who performs Daniel Bryan's uh, AEW theme song? Who? The plain white tees. <laughs> That's good. I'm so happy with that. <laughs> so 
Speaking of which, after the video package, we go back to the booth, who then throws back to Shivani so he can introduce Brian Danielson. Brian comes out to the roar of the crowd as fans chant, Yachts! Yachts! The roar of the crowd on your feet getting loud? Give it all to me now? Brian wearing his customary white t-shirt as Excalibur complains about being tied up in a pretzel 15 years ago by the American <laughs> Dragon. There was this one time in Reseda. camp. <laughs> Before Brian can speak, out comes... What did he call him? The... Human enema, Don Callis. I didn't write it down this week. Or the living enema, something like that. Uh, also <clears throat> followed by a white t-shirt wearing Kenny Omega. Callis calls him, there he is, the hippie millionaire. Says, I mean, he's not wrong. Not wrong. Uh, oh, he must have been so difficult to come to the number one wrestling promotion in the world that was built on the back of Kenny Omega. Callus's words, not mine. Callus makes fun of Brian, saying he came here because it was best for the entire wrestling business, which I guess is something he said on a recent interview. Best for business, he said. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Callus says he stands corrected. He, you know, he thought Brian was a carny piece of shit. But Kenny's like, wait a minute, no, I know this guy. He really believes that bullshit. To which Callus says, oh, I got it. So he's not a, a, a carny piece of shit. He's a mark. Callus then continues to bitch until Danielson tells him to shut up. He also made a call. May have called him John Callus. Did you catch that? He goes, shut up, John! Eh, he, was having, he was having flashbacks to uh, living with John Cena. Oh, you know, that's that's probably true. <laughs> uh, Brian reiterates he came here to talk to Kenny Omega, but maybe he shouldn't have. Because he wants the best bout machine. He wants the god of professional wrestling, not the demigod. The God. Or Dem the Demo God. Demo <laughs> but instead, he's looking at a guy who hangs around a bunch of goofy stooges and lets Callus do his talking. Uh, he thinks Kenny has lost his balls and demands an answer, yes or no. To which the crowd says, Yes! 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 Thank you. Kenny takes the mic from Callus. He says... Yes! And the crowd is sad. I mean, and Callus is sad, not the crowd. The crowd is eating this up. Um, they stare at each other as Kenny throws the mic down. Huh. <laughs> Kenny then trash talks awkwardly until we cut away to a pre-team. <laughs> okay. My note was, fingers crossed we get the good Kenny. I'd like to meet him. <laughs> That being said, um, I I like this segment. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was very to the point, and it accomplished its goal. You know, we got Kenny responding to Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson. You know, we got Danielson firing up the crowd, and we got what we needed to get from this segment. Still sticking by that he called him John, John Yeah. Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, these two are, are both 
great promos and they're cutting great promos on each other. So it's, it's, it's expected they're doing what you're supposed to do to build a match. Um, hopefully the match uh, delivers. We shall see. Not for sure. Um, I don't know. I, I almost don't want them to have the greatest match ever because it's on dynamite. Like, and if if they have a really awesome match, how are they going to top it if they ever do go back to the, for the title? But um, if they have a really good TV match and it's fun and it's exciting, I'm fine with that. But I don't know how you fin- I don't know how you do the finish. We'll we'll get to it later. But mm-hmm. it's an interesting one for me. All right, the pre-tape that we cut to is the TNT champion Miro. Miro questions why Fuego would call him out. Same. I I feel the same. Um, He promises to bash Fuego's brains in and bash in his stupid car. So saith the Redeemer. (laughs) After break, we get another (sighs) pre-tape. Oh, yeah. This one's from Matt Hardy. Uh, He's mad because Orange Cassidy broke his nose. Matt Hardy has started fights with people in this company for the dumbest shit in this company's history, and that's saying something. Remember, previous to this, he started a fucking three-month fight with Christian because Christian told him he was going to help him out in the Battle Royale for six seconds and then didn't. (laughs) Right. And now he wants to start a fight with Orange Cassidy. And because Cassidy broke his nose, he's going to take his hair? Sure. I'm telling you, based on based on last week's promo from Orange Cassidy, the best way for this to play out is for Orange Cassidy just to be like, I'll get a haircut. And just go to the barber and get a haircut so that Matt Hardy can't do what he wants. And then it's over. But no, we're going to have a fucking hair versus hair match. Of course we are. Like you said. Yep. Uh, we, him, Matt, Matt called him an orange egghead. Oh, you're not going to be orange cast anymore. You're going to be such an harsh orange words. egghead. Such harsh words. We run down the rampage card, and of course the grand slam card. But we'll talk about more about that later. For See? now, it is time for our main event of the evening. Main event time. Enter Moxley and Kingston. All the fat fucks go insane as they walk through the crowd. Uh, 2.0 and their son, I still don't get that gimmick, uh, attack as Mox and Kingston go through the barricade. Mox bites Jeff Parker's face. Of course he does. Uh, I don't know if it was at this point or if it was the one later where Renee tweeted, can my husband stop biting people, please? (laughs) I think you married the wrong guy, Renee, if you're going to wait for that to happen. Uh, Mox tosses Parker in the ring and the match begins. Really? Fucking really? Matt, Daniel, and Eddie are still fighting on the floor. Eh. Okay. Whatever, Paul. Sure. Parker avoids the slam and rakes the eyes. He tags Lee, who comes in and gets suplexed immediately. Then Mox bites Matt's Lee's face. Kingston. Nowhere to be found. Mox hurls Lee into the ring. He stops himself and hits the floor. Mox throws Daniel Garcia into the stairs, but gets dropkicked by Jeff Parker, and we go to box. When we come back, Kingston has made it to the apron. Mox gets double-teamed for a two-count, then Parker tags in. He gets backdropped and tags out. Lee gets clotheslined, and finally Mox makes the tag. JR, for some reason, intimates that Eddie Kingston just pissed himself as he comes in and cleans house. Um, well, okay, I get the fact that Kingston was excited to get the tag. Mm-hmm. 
No, I hope he's wearing dark pants. But he no, he gets the tag, and Jr. in his excited voice goes, "Well, thank God he's wearing darks." What does that mean? Are you saying he was so excited he beat himself? Yeah, basically. Jr. Only you do that at this age. Yeah, I just I do my I, mean my, I do my kegels, but so, you know sometimes you just can't uh, you can't get that squeeze. Chops for Lee, then an exploder suplex. Parker with the sneaky roll-up for two. Back fist for Parker. DDT for Lee, and he tags Mox. Clothesline, exploder suplex uh, combo. Drops Parker on his neck, and that's your three count. What a main event. Mm. Is that running clothesline into the exploder, their tag finisher? I guess so. Mm. Moxley's music gets cut, cut off by Suzuki's. They didn't list this match for next week's programming, so is it on Dynamite or Rampage? We'll get there. We listen <laughs> to all of Suzuki's theme song on loop like six times. Excuse me. Suzuki enters and walks to the ring as they make sure to play his music so the internet doesn't get mad again. <laughs> Archer appears out of nowhere and pulls Kingston to the floor. They all four brawl around the ringside area. Kingston and Archer brawl through the crowd. Mox and Suzuki end up on the timekeeper's table. Minoru wants the gotch driver, but Mox blocks it and hits him with a microphone for the ring bell. Finally, Suzuki and Mox head into the crowd and we go off the air. You're not kidding when you say finally. Your main your main event was just to set up a match next week. Hey, surprise, buddy! This whole card was to set up next week. <laughs> um, I'll I'll defer to you. What were your thoughts on this episode of Dynamite? <sighs> like we said before, this was the night of 101 pre tapes. <clears throat> the matches that there were were okay. Nothing was particularly offensive this week, uh, even on even even in the women's division. Um, but um, yeah, it really says something that that your main event doesn't even fucking matter. Yeah. So my issue was that. This felt like your pre-show for Grand Slam. Everything was about next week, or or yeah. on Rampage even. You spent the whole show telling us what we can look forward to when we're not watching this show. <laughs> Cole and Frankie was good, but to my point, that was your opening match. So the rest of the night was just to hype the other cards you have coming up? Mm-hmm. And again, Kenny and Brian was fine, but that was to set up that match, which we all knew it was going to happen anyway. Um, which is non-title, by the way, for all those people thinking. Yes. Kenny, uh, Brian made a point to say, someday this will be for the title, but not now. I just want to beat your ass. Which not, is I mean, And it wouldn't make sense. He's not even ranked. Oh, of course. No, that's fine. I don't mind a non-title match. I do have a problem with a non-title match if Brian wins and then... What, we just forget that he beat the champ and we don't talk about it for the next six months because it's not ready, it's not time for that yet? <laughs> they're doing what they're doing, Christian, all over again, just on a longer scale. <sighs> That's true. Except by the time Daniel Bryan gets a title match, he'll win the title. Sure. But when is, you know, we're going to keep Kenny champion for how long in order for that to happen? Anyway. Um,. Even the punk stuff, like, first of all, that fucking table, bro. Yeesh. 
Yeah, no shit. Um, and then the other problem is, too, I had a feeling when Punk was on commentary, I'm like, why is he on commentary? It's not because they have nothing to do for him, because he'll, he could just do what he always does. Hype man, we got a really great show. <laughs> John Moxley is here. The, the weekend is here. We'll be right back. Um, but instead, they did this to try to build some heat. I I swear to God, when Taz came out there and and Punk gets up first, as soon as you don't see Hobbs, you know Hobbs is the one who's attacking. But then also, I swear we saw Hobbs walk behind them, like you could see his singlet behind the curtain, because <laughs> you know it's bright fucking orange. Um, his overalls. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It. I guess it did what it was supposed to. It set up the match, right? Um, what I, I want to see this list that CM Punk wrote of all the people in AEW that he wants to face, and I want to see where the fuck Will Hobbs is on this list, because I guarantee it's not number two. No, but this is a way to get... You don't want to do Punk versus, like... I don't fucking know. Uh, okay, but can we go from number one to maybe, like, 15 instead of 54? Uh, they love using Team Taz to to give people Dar- pointless wins. Remember Darby, Darby? Allen? Darby <laughs> Allen, Team Taz. Yeah, but you remember how Darby got a bunch of wins while he was TNT champ? He I'm beat up Team Taz. They're like the Curtis Axel of AEW, <laughs> except for they're green as fuck and don't really know how to wrestle. Specifically, the two that were out there tonight. Anyway. Yeah. Also, yeah, that whole thing about pile-driving Sting, please don't fucking do that. And for what? We're turning this into a face paint feud? The fuck? (laughs) That's what we're doing with... with, uh, Anyway. That was Dynamite. Guys, I'm sorry. It really seemed like they mailed it in to get to this week. Um... And the Jericho and Dan Lambert stuff is just weird. Two old men yelling at each other. Well, Jake Hager stands there and goes, Sorry. You're not a cloud. Okay. Rampage episode six. Shall we rampage? It's going to be a rampage. Or do you think uh, Xavier Woods get jealous? Tonight we are welcomed by Excalibur, who is joined by Jericho, Taz, and Ricky Starks. Okay, so this commentary team has not been the same, and it's only been three episodes. And each episode has had a different team. More on that later. My note. Oh, hey, no Mark Henry. Good. I wrote, I wrote so the AEW Dark commentary team plus Jericho, God help us. Because remember for a while they were having Ricky Starks just join in on commentary. <laughs> All right. Match number one, AEW World Tag Team Championship match, the Lucha Bros versus the Butcher and the Blade. The following contest is a tag team match with a 60-minute time limit. Could you imagine this match taking up the entirety of this episode of Rampage? (laughs) That would be something. So Penta is back to his Joker gear. (laughs) That's my next note. Oh, we're back to Joker Penta. I guess he just really likes that gear. Commentary. He, he spent a lot of money on it. I mean, the gear. Gotta get, gotta get use out the of it. The gear at all out was nice. Mm-hmm. 
You can't travel with those feathers, man. They'll get destroyed. <sighs> I didn't mean the headpiece. I just meant the ring gear. But I guess if you got to have one, you got to have the whole thing, right? Uh, by the way, the commentators try to play up the history between um, the Lucha Bros and the Butcher and the Blade. But the problem is that history in AEW consists of about five or six weeks where these guys were Eddie Kingston's backup and they barely interacted with each other. Mm-hmm. Some fucking history. Mm-hmm. Phoenix starts out with the blade, and Phoenix proves in the first 30 seconds of this that he's faster and more flippy. <laughs> Did you notice the uh, the ring? The ring? Yeah. What about it? We got a fancy rampage canvas. Nice. Uh, the big a, had a big AEW logo in the middle. It said Rampage in all four corners. It's like the Cruiserweight Classic. I was just going to say. Except except Rampage. I was just going to say, I got custom fucking canvases on my 2K19, too. So, <laughs> uh, Let's see here. All four competitors get in the ring because Paul Turner sucks at his job. Lucha Bros hit the blade uh, with the Uno Dos Tres double superkick. Fuck you, Jericho. Why? Do you know what he said? He said one, two, three. Yeah, and then he's a fucking idiot. Dumbass. We get the Casadora into the splash from the Lucha Bros, and this gets a two count. Everyone continues to fly around until Butcher catches Phoenix on a fireman's carry and drops him face first onto Blade's knee. Ouch. <sighs> Matt Hardy screams at Phoenix as Butcher and Blade try to isolate Phoenix. Phoenix does not get isolated, however. And he tags out to Penta, who comes in and hits a sling blade on each opponent. The Lucha Bros hit cross, uh, crossing dives to the outside, and they are in control. Back in the ring, and Butcher hits a flying crossbody on Penta. This gets a two count, and this brings us to a very quick 90-second box. Back from box, and Penta fights back, and he nails Blade with a super kick. Butcher with a Gamagiri. And then monkey flips blade onto butcher, or as we like to say on this network, throws motherfucker A into motherfucker B. Mm-hmm. Penta tags out to Phoenix, and Phoenix comes in and immediately is outnumbered because Paul Turner is useless. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of useless, Paul Turner, he gestures wildly like a crossing guard, and everyone in the match blatantly ignores him. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not legal here on Dynamite. Why aren't you legal, Dynamite? We need to get you out of the ring on Dynamite. Wait, Paul Turner's Tony Khan? I mean, that's how he's instructing his referees to act. <sighs> Let's see here. There was one point where Butcher steps into the ring, steps through the ropes into the ring, then tags, like, he's halfway, like, one foot in the ring, tags Blade, and Paul Turner's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, Phoenix hits uh, Butcher with a German suplex and then tops himself and hits Blade with a Riff, top wow. rope. Wow. Impressive. Yes. He then hits Blade with a top rope moonsault into a German suplex with a bridge. Oh, no, I caught it. I ignored it. Mm-hmm. And this gets a two count. Yeah. How about Ray Phoenix, dude? He fucking was like, oh, I can do a German, but I can also do this. I can jump apparently, on the top rope. Apparently he can also top himself. Mm. Uh, more more reasons Chris Jericho pisses me off. Mm-hmm. This motherfucker is over here, just straight up going, Andy Williams, Andy Williams, 
Andy Williams. Do you not know the word butcher? Are you just going to, we're just using shoot names now, motherfucker? Ugh, fucking Jericho. Andy Williams is in a band. It's a great band, Andy Williams. Fucking idiot. Phoenix and Penta then spike Blade with the double stomp Fear Factor. Penta covers Blade as Phoenix topes uh, Butcher, who sidesteps him and slides back into the ring to break up the pin. Butcher takes down Penta with a running clothesline and then drags Blade to his corner and tags himself in, to which I say, why bother, dude? (laughs) At this point, Paul Turner hasn't been keeping track of who's legal for like the past ten minutes. Why even fucking bother? Butcher hits a crappy Boshman slam, and this gets a two count. Blade hits a Randy Orton-inspired power slam for another two count. They double-team Penta, and he still kicks out, and then just crawls to his corner and tags in Phoenix, and neither Butcher nor Blade put any effort into stopping him. Oh, we let him go. There's a reason why traditional tag formulas work. And why this shit does not. Blade takes the tassels hanging off Penta's mask and ties them to the bottom rope. The Butcher and the Blade then beat up Phoenix. And there's not a damn thing Penta can do to stop them. Alex Abrantes tries to undo the knot, but cannot. So Penta leaves his mask tied up and removes himself. And in one fluid motion, he covers his face while running and super kicking Blade down. This allows Phoenix to hit a hurricane rana on Butcher and pin him off the rana for the three count. Good ad-libbing. Woo, woo! I'm sorry. You're retaining... Are you backing up? Your champion's retaining the Lucha Bros. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Not that I ever thought they were giving the titles to Butcher and Blade. But it's just nice to see, nice to see the Lucha Bros get a title defense. Yeah, no great ad-libs on the finish. Uh, I assume. I assume they were. Penta was not was supposed to be able to untie his mask from the rope. I was thinking so too. Um, on that note, though, I, I wish to point out that uh, Butcher and Blade, number one ranked tag team, number one contenders. When, Sal, if you had to guess, when was the last time Butcher and Blade had a tag match on television? Definitely not this year. Maybe 2020? It was this year. It was episodes... It was Dynamite 76. It was March 11th. It's been... Six months. Who did they fight? I don't... I I don't remember. I don't don't cage match up right now. It's been six months... Since they've had an episode... since, Since they've had a tag team match on television they've had a couple on dark and dark elevation and they and they had a couple of singles bits you know blade was doing single stuff butcher and i was in was doing had like a singles match and was in like a, a battle royal or some shit i was gonna say for a while butcher wasn't even around he was touring so but it's been six months without a tag team match and they're the number one ranked tag team in aew right now yeah because that makes fucking sense jericho by the way Again, unable to decide on commentary if he's going to be a heel or a face. By the way, before we get there, um, the Hardy family office, the Butcher and the Blade, the number one ranked tag team because of their record on Dark. As much as I hate to give this man credit, 
then shouldn't the gun club be lining up for their multiple <laughs> title shots? Right. What the fuck? Okay. Uh, private party storm the ring and put the boots to the Lucha Brothers. Alex Abrantes yells on the apron for them to stop, so Isaiah Cassidy charges and knocks them off the apron. Aw, poor Alex. The Hardy family office then beat down the Lucha Bros until they are saved by, of all fucking people, Santana and Ortiz. Commentary plays up the history of Santana and Ortiz versus the Lucha Bros. I only know of it in TNA. I'm not sure if it goes back before then. I'm sure it does. Uh, the And then HFO slowly retreat. So, we wanted Santana and Ortiz near the title pitcher. They are now teaming with the champs. But their opposition doesn't really look too tough. So outside a private party getting a tag shot at some point, do we see the Lucha Bros' next real challenger being Santana and Ortiz? Uh... I mean, I don't see who else it could be at this point, unless, unless you know, the Bucks get it a, a rematch, but... I would be perfectly happy, even if you want to do something where Santana costs Penta the match next week, or whatever, or Ortiz costs Phoenix the match. Something that, like, they couldn't get on the same page, and now they're going to fight, I'm, I'm down for that. Um, after a commercial break, let's get another video package for Kenny versus Daniel Bryan. Kenny downplays him as being an underdog his entire career. And Danielson says he's there to show fans the true Bryan Danielson. Um, so does that mean next week, <clears throat> as Kenny's about to win, Bryan will just mutate into some weird creature and we'll see his yeah. final form? <laughs> March 11th, 2021, uh, AEW Dynamite number 76, St. Patrick's Day Slam. Uh, the HFO is actually a 10-man tag. HFO, Matt Hardy, Private That's Party. Not, that, that doesn't count. The Butcher of the Blade versus Bear Country, Jurassic Express. Jurassic Express. Uh, before that, uh, the Casino Tag Team Royale at, at Revolution. No, we're talking, I'm, I'm looking for a regular tag match with featuring the Butcher and the Blade. John Moxley, uh, Lance Archer, and Ray Phoenix defeat, defeat Eddie Kingston and the Butcher and the Blade. Uh, that's dark. That's dark. That's dark. Lance Archer and the Dark Order defeat the Eddie Kingston and the Butcher and the Blade. Uh, Butcher and the Blade and Eddie Kingston defeat the Lucha Brothers and Lance Archer. Uh, here we go. Uh, the Butcher and the Blade <laughs> defeat Death Triangle. So, Blade and Butcher defeat Pack and Ray Phoenix in 13 minutes. AEW Dynamite number 60, November 19th. <laughs> I told you, 2020. Told you. You didn't count the Casino Tag Team Royale? That was a, no, that was it's kind of a tag a straight, team thing. Uh, but I'm looking for a straight tag match for the reason to be number one contenders to the tag titles. Anyway. Yeah. And even before that, they've only had two matches in September. And the match before that was in April. Yeah. So counting Dark, they've had two matches since Butcher came back. They're fodder at this point. And I don't really care because there's like nine... Ta Dude, the Hardy family office literally has three tag teams in their own faction. True. And the Butcher and the Blade are probably the crappiest of, out of all three. 
because I'd rather watch Angelico and Jack Evans, and when Private Party are given time, they're usually a lot of fun. Uh, All right. Okay. Yes, so let's go to match number two. You know it's a good episode of TV. You know. You know it's a good episode of TV when you get the HFO entrance in two matches in a row. Here comes Bunny for with Penelope Ford for her match with Anna Jay, who comes out with Ty Conti. Ty emotes her way to ringside, and we brawl on the floor, if you want to call it that. Anna with a suplex on the floor, then Ty hugs her, and Anna rolls Bunny into the ring. That was fucking random. <gasps> the bell rings, and Bunny begs off. Anna with some strikes to the chest, the Northern Lights suplex. Jericho's a fucking idiot. Uh, I don't remember why I wrote that, but that sentence is always true. Into the buckles and a running elbow from Anna, then off the ropes for a shoulder block. Anna with the whip. Bunny grabs the rope. Anna charges, but stops so Bunny can roll to the floor. Outside, Bunny nails a super kick right to the titty, then pulls Anna's, shoulders into the, Anna's shoulder into the post before throwing Anna into the barricade. Kick to the ribs from Bunny, then she slams Anna's arm into the floor. Another whip into the barricades, and we go to break. Not box. Break. Yay, women. When we return, both women are sitting in the ring. Anna takes the wrist, Bunny reverses it and wrenches the shoulder. Anna with a kick to the back of the knee and a running neckbreaker, and that's a two. Anna wants the Queen Slayer, but Bunny breaks free. Ty and Penelope fight on the outside as Anna wins with a quick roll-up. Yay, women. What would your thoughts be if Finn Balor fought Sammy Guevara and also fought Kip Sabian in a triple threat match? That was like a 30-minute Iron Man match. Uh, I would need so many changes of pants. Mm, that's how I felt for this match. <laughs> <laughs> that's And to be honest, that's really all I took away from this match. There was just so many blondes. You know Archer, right? Yeah. The show Archer. I'm going to masturbate till my fingers bleed. <laughs> just tape them up. All right. Bunny attacks after the bell, and Ty comes in for some frantic flailing. Frantic flailing. Uh, Penelope saves Bunny, retrieves knuckles from her pocket, and takes a fair amount of time to make sure she's putting them on correctly. She KOs Anna, she KOs Ty. Matt Hardy is yelling at Jack Evans for some reason. Starks then sends us to a recap of Punk getting beaten up on Wednesday. Punk and Hobbs will fight on Rampage next week. To the ring for Tony Schiavone and Matt Hardy, who is pacing. Tony reminds Matt that the HFO are 0-2 tonight. Matt says he's pissed off, but he'll have the last laugh. Next week, we'll have to set through two more HFO matches. Ha-ha! <laughs> Matt then says he's pissed at a plant in the crowd who's dressed like Orange Cassidy. What the fuck? <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Matt, Matt Hardy calls this guy an Orange Cassidy look-alike, but he looks more like Connor Thompson, uh, Conrad Thompson than Orange Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Matt Hardy and Jack Evans... Oh, shit, was it him? (laughs) Anyway, Matt Hardy and Jack Evans beat up the plant and shave his head, kind of. Jericho says this is embarrassing for the plant. I would say it's embarrassing for this episode of Rampage, because this is fucking stupid. Uh, Orange Cassidy makes his way to the ring to save the half-shorn fan. Can't tell you how glad I am that that segment happened. Because I'm not. At all. Fuck that. Up next, we talk to Britton Ruby. Come back from break in the middle of Britt Baker's entrance as Excalibur explains what's happening. Tony gets a hug and then introduces Ruby Soho. Taz insists on singing along again. Wait, real quick. Stop it. Um. <laughs> so, 
we're assaulting quote unquote you know fans fam from the crowd right but this is there's a lot of uh it's still real to me damn it amongst the aw fan base so when one of them reaches over the guardrail and cuts jericho's hair off while he's sitting at you know like at ringside you did this to yourself (laughs) nobody sits at ringside well, whatever. It's still, if somebody jumps the guardrail and attacks one of your wrestlers, you did this because you made it canon to attack fans in the crowd. We already had that once. I know. Britt starts by welcoming Ruby to some TV time. Oof. Britt says Ruby's not there for her, for the title, or for the fans. Ruby is there for Ruby because she still doesn't know who she is. She's desperate to fit in. Everyone knows who Britt is because she's the AEW Women's World Champion. Ruby says that, of course, the fans know who Britt is. She won't shut the fuck up about it. Uh, Ruby says Britt is wrong. Ruby knows exactly who she is. She just hasn't hasn't had the freedom to prove it until now. Ruby says, on the surface, Britt looks like every other broad she's stood in the ring with, entitled, self-centered, and banging some dude in the back. Oh! Britt wants to know why Ruby's lying to herself. She calls herself the runaway, but she didn't run away from anything. She got fired. To be uh, fair, by the way, Britt wasn't banging some dude in the back until about a week ago. Yeah. Uh, two weeks. Ruby says Britt's right on that, but getting fired was the best damn thing that ever happened to her because it's brought her to AEW face-to-face with Britt Baker. She wants Britt to look at her and see the woman Britt is messing with. If she can see anything with her head that far up Tony Khan's ass. Oh, shit! After Dynamite, Ruby says after she beats Britt's ass and takes her title, the one thing she won't be able to call herself is AEW Women's World Champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, this leads to a brawl. Britt hits the floor, but has left her title behind. Ruby holds the title high, and we fade to black on this episode of Roast Battle to go to Mark Henry's box and box and box and box and box pre-made event promo. What'd you think of this uh, battle, this promo battle oh, between fabulous. Britt and uh, Ruby? Fantastic. So, for me... The lines Ow. used were typical. There was no shot fire that I didn't think would be used. You know, she got fired from WWE. She goes out with Adam Cole. It all made sense. But for me, what I loved was the delivery. Yeah, they, it wasn't it wasn't one sided. It was a volley. They yeah. they they were going back and forth. Every shot fired had a shot come back. So, and Ruby didn't look nervous or hesitant. She looked confident in what she was saying. She You're del- saying that on the surface she looked calm and ready to drop bombs? She she said on the surface twice, and that's the first line I thought of, by the <laughs> way. Um, no, I thought both girls did a really good job, and it was believable. Yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The one good thing on Rampage. <laughs> I thought we could go a whole week without Mark Henry, but no. But no. <sighs> Mark confirms that Fuego's about to lose his car. Why is this happening? Fuego says he loves his car, but he'd do anything to get another TNT title shot. I would do anything for a championship. See, you went to Meatloaf. I went to Simple Plan. (laughs) I'd do anything just to get beat up by you. Uh, Fuego, (laughs) Fuego claims he was this close when he dropped Miro on his neck last time. Bullshit. Yeah, okay, kid. Sure. Uh, Mark asks Miro if his strategy is the same as it was last time. Miro says Fuego means nothing to him. Fuego's car means nothing, nothing to, to him. him. He only took the match to get a blowjob from his wife. Nice. That's what he said. <laughs> I know. 
I like my god up high and my wife down low. Mark hits the catchphrase, and Excalibur runs down next week's cards. More on that later. Uh, I I still don't understand why the car was there. This entire storyline would have been fine without the car. I'm sure. I'm sure they could have found some other way to get Fuego Del Sol into a rematch with Miro. Other than... Other than Fuego going, I got a contract, so I bought a shitty used car. I'll fight you for it. Because I'm fucking dumb as a brick. Yeah. Speaking of dumb as a brick. Fuego Del Sol, stupid little twink. Match number three, you assume he's a twink. Have you seen him with the mask off? There is that episode of Raw, but I'm not going to tell you which one it was. (laughs) Uh, TNT Championship, Fuego Del Sol versus the Redeemer himself, Miro. Fuego comes out full of hope and probably full of Dye Mountain Dew. Miro comes out looking meaner than Tamina. The bell rings and Miro doesn't move, which is actually scarier than if he charged in. Yeah. Bring it, motherfucker. Fuego tries a, a waist lock and Miro easily breaks out of it. Miro stalks Fuego, but fa- oh, Fuego. It's like he's, it was like he was unbuckling a seatbelt. Uh, Miro stalks Fuego, but Fuego scurries away like a spider. Fuego lures Miro in, and Miro charges, but Fuego ducks, so Miro topples to the outside. Fuego launches himself over the top, but Miro catches him coming in. Miro shows off by carrying him around for a bit before attempting to lawn dart him into the ring post. But Fuego escapes. He actually slips out the back door and shoves Miro headfirst into the ring post. It happens sometimes. Fuego shoves Miro to the ring post a second time and then comes off the apron with a Hurricane Rana, taking Miro down. I'm sure Miro understands. Yes, of course he does. I'm sure Lana understands. Fuego comes charging again, but this time Miro is ready for it and backdrops Fuego over the guardrail. And onto the crowd? I can't say into the crowd. These these fans, again, heavy quotes on that. I (laughs) poor poor Fuego. Fuego's like, no, I gotta get I gotta get back to the barricade so I can do the next spot. And the fans are like, Yeah, crowd surf, let's go. Fuego's like, no, I gotta get back. No, stop, put me down. Uh, I said Fuego catches himself with help of some fans and launches himself off the barricade so Mira can catch him again and this time plant him with a huge fallaway slam on the floor. That just reminded me of an old Robin Williams joke from one of his, I think his first, one of his old albums where he's talking about figure skating. Paris figure skating. I was like, and they do that lift where the woman's like, put me down or buy me dinner. <laughs> That's a good skit. I like that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, back from break, and Miro has Fuego locked in a bear hug. Fuego fights out and storms back and hits a guy, McGarry. He tries a springboard something, and Miro drops him with a Polish hammer right across the chest. Ouch. He fucking murdered him. Miro goes for a DDT, but Fuego escapes and hits Miro with a double stomp to the midsection and then falls that with a double stomp to the back. Fuego hits a super kick and a short... You all right there, buddy? Hold on. Fuego hits a super kick and then a short DDT, and then he goes for the tornado DDT, but Miro blocks it. Fuego tries another kick, but Miro kicks him into the corner and then just destroys him by raining down punches. Miro pulls Fuego out of the corner and delivers a point-blank Machka kick. 
Nero then hits a second one just to show off to the back of Fuego's head and pins him with ease. Well, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, there was really nothing special about it. Fuego this had like a three second comeback, and then they were like, that's enough of that. <laughs> Once again, we get a main event that's just a means to an end. Mm. And speaking of that means to an end, Miro wins. And so he gets handed the car keys for Fuego's crappy car. Uh, He then shoves the keys into Fuego's mouth and applies the game over. I kind of like that. Like, here, here's your stupid fucking car. And he choked it with it. He shoved it down his fucking throat. Um, But when he applies the game over, out comes Fuego's best friend in the whole world. Sammy Guevara. Sammy hits a flying knee strike, sending Miro to the outside. Sammy holds up Miro's TNT title as we go off the air. Now, you have my attention. Yes! Yes! We have said for months, who is a babyface that could take this title off of Miro that we would be interested in? Who? Who? It could be Sammy Guevara. Now, granted, we are a little bit removed from when Sammy was white hot coming out after that uh, stadium stampede match. Mm -hmm. We're a good three months removed. So I wish they had done this sooner. However, I will say, this is a direction I do enjoy that Miro is going in and that Sammy is going in. This makes sense. If he's going to be a big baby face... This is an important piece. And For if, sure. And if he's going to be actually, a future star, this is a great place to start. That's actually what I wrote here. I'm, I am rather excited for Miro to get an actual challenger in Sammy Guevara. Do you think Sammy takes the title off of Miro? I do. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he does it the first time. I can see them having a match and then having a rematch. But ultimately, yes, I think Sammy is the next TNT champion. Yeah. Yep. And for anybody who's like, well, why? They haven't done shit with Sammy. Yes, they haven't. But an old saying has always told me that talent rises to the top. And Sammy is undeniable. You need to give him a belt. An old saying told you that? From what I've heard, it's an old saying. Are you sure it wasn't Macho Man? (laughs) It's the cream here. Anyway. Um, I was going to ask you your thoughts on Rampage, but I feel like those last two minutes changed your thoughts on Rampage. <laughs> uh, the, tag, the tag title match, the tag title match was was. I'll give I'll give it uh, I'll give it a decent. Uh, women's match sucked. Uh, main event was, like I said, it means to an end. But uh, the post the post show was got me excited for what might be to come. So yes, exactly. So, and, and it, you know what? For all the shit that we've said for the past few months about all these new people they're bringing in, Sammy was there night one. Literally, he was the first match on the card against Cody. Um, and I don't want to get excited like I got when I thought they were going to put the title on Hangman, the <laughs> title, because Lord knows I, I fucking hype myself up. But Wait, obviously... what's her nuts pregnant already? <laughs> but... Honestly, um, this just makes sense progression-wise. 
You know, Mero's been eating everybody up. Who's left? Sammy Guevara. So. Anyway, I don't really have much more to say or anything, actually, to say about Rampage. Rampage has become a show basically to set up Dynamite or to have a fallout from Dynamite. Which, I mean, I guess that's what it should be, right? (sighs) Yes and no. Right. I mean, ultimately, I would like to see more talents on Rampage that we don't see on Dynamite. I appreciate that we're getting Butcher and the Blade, but not for that reason. Like, they shouldn't have been a tag title match. Right. Um, but, you know. Hmm. So, let's finish up our AEW week before we talk about what's coming on the docket for this week's episodes. Mm. With a little Being the Elite. This week, it's just a little one. Just 15 minutes. A little bit over 15 minutes. Uh, Being the Elite, episode 274, entitled... How's it taste? How's it taste? No cold open this week. No, thank you. We go right into the title sequence. Segment one, Nick Jackson is signing autographs, and then he goes shopping. Matt Jackson is not there because he slept in. I wish I could sleep in. I remember what it was like to sleep in before it started. (laughs) Cutler helps Nick brag about his shoes. Anything on this segment? Nope. Segment two. I have have so few notes this week. I don't. Dude. Me too. First of all, it was a short episode. Second of all, I mean... (laughs) Segment two, John Silver is extremely close to the camera. Silver says, I'm John Silver, and I'm about to milk Bear Bronson. Is this some type of TikTok challenge I'm not aware of? (laughs) Right. Asking you. (laughs) Also, that wasn't milk. Do they have milk available in those little creamer cups? No, that's why they're called creamer cups. Yeah, but if if you go to Denny's... And you order coffee, and you're like, hey, milk, not not cream. They don't always bring you out the little glass of milk that IHOP does. Maybe it's in the little creamer cups. I've only ever seen half and half. Eh, maybe it was half and half. So it was half milk. And I'm here to half and half Bear Bronson. <laughs> Listen, you can't say milk about it, all right? <laughs> No, you can't drink milk you about it. You can't drink milk about it. So close. So fucking close. Good callback, though. Good. Thank I appreciate the callback. All right. He, he, oh, he thank throws you. I forgot about that. He throws the little creamer cups at Beer Bronson. Um, and then runs away. And then runs away saying, you just got milked. I swear to God, it feels like a TikTok challenge. <laughs> Uh, segment three, Cutler talks with Adam Cole backstage and begs him to eliminate Frankie Kazarian. Please, 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 please. He only beats me up. What did Cole say? Uh, dude, 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 Brandon, Brandon, shut up. Cole speaks for us all. Yes. For real. Um, he says he's got he's got work to do. It's time for the men to go to work. Okay? Go back to your fucking... I'm just going to parachute out of that. Uh, segment four. <laughs> segment four. Um, it's your weekly HH segment. Something Dungeon Master Scream. Yeah. Uh, this time we see blood. I think it's blood splattered everywhere. 
Making a surprise appearance from NXT UK, a disembodied voice tells whomever they are speaking to to stop being sad all the time. He knows Michelle is dead. I I guess by decapitation, according to this person. However, he suggests that the person he's talking to should try meditation. I miss Radzi. Hmm. So then we get Nemeth on the beach trying to be at peace with himself. We inhale, we exhale, we do it fully. Uh, and then the voiceover mentions creatures from another dimension in Evil Cream. Excuse me? <laughs> this took a turn. Uh, the evil voiceover continues to tell him to breathe and relax, but also to not think about Michelle and to definitely not look in his trunk. I'm glad you. I'm glad you wrote that. I'm glad you wrote this down because I completely fucking glazed over and did not pay attention Wait, to this. Because I don't this, give a shit. This feels like Fight Club. <laughs> like, did Nemeth kill Michelle, and he's just blocked it out this whole time? Ew! How long is that? Is been? is Nemeth beard guy? Maybe. How long has Michelle been in Nemeth's trunk? I mean, we've been doing this segment for a few weeks now. All right, segment number five. It's BT title time, baby. <clears throat> Jeff Parker is holding up the title a la Paul Heyman. You see that? <laughs> that was fucking fantastic. Uh, they have lined up nine bottles in cube formation, and today we are bowling tape into the bottles. Well, I wouldn't call it bowling. Uh, hurling. Hurling. There you go. Today's challenger, today's challenger for the BT Championship is former NCAA Division I football player himself. 1C. Colt Cabana. 1C? I think it's 1C. <laughs> Everybody's dad, Colt Cabana. It takes Colt 16 tries, but he eventually clears all the bottles off the table. What were your school colors? <laughs> Piss yellow and poop brown. Yep. That's a shoot. Shh. <laughs> That was actually my high um that was the colors for my high school ten years before I went there, and then they switched to maroon and gold, which I yeah. is a little bit better. <laughs> my colors are maroon and gold. Maroon, white and gold. Oh, see. I don't know if white was an official color or not, but anyway. Uh so yes, it takes cold sixteen tries. Uh the champ, Matt Lee. A it takes it takes Colt sixteen tries because of a rule he instated himself. Yeah. When they were like, "Does the bottle have to go off the table?" And yeah, I think like, the bottle yes, should have to go the off. The bottle has to go off the table, which is why it takes Colt sixteen tries. You fucked yourself. Matt Lee accomplishes this in eight. Boom. And goes immediately into promo mode. Yes, Matt Lee talks trash to Cabana, although he does it into the camera, and then screams, "How's it taste?" <laughs> How does what taste? That little piece of humble pie, obviously. What did you think he meant? Uh, how's my ass taste, Kobe? Segment six. Are you you're gonna glance right over Colt's response? No, what did he say? We pan over to Colt and he goes It's not bad. It's not bad actually. <laughs> Licks his finger. Yeah. Also, um, I am 
I am satisfied with the uh, 2.0's gimmick on BT now that they have the title. Yeah, 2.0's great. 2.0's great, and then this gives me a reason for them to be uh, funny every week. And I, I dig it. I'm down for it. Sadly, sadly, no inadvertent Renee Paquette cameo with Baby Moxley in town this week. But what sadly, are you going to no. do? Yes, what can you do? So, segment six, Peter Avalon tries to give Leva Bates a note through a third party. Uh, she reads it, but can't believe it, and thinks the manager, dear, the messenger, is fucking with her. Dear Leva, we've been trying to reach you regarding your car's extended warranty. <laughs> Uh, she can't believe the message because the message says, and she'll read it out loud, Alex Reynolds has been gone because he has been with his wife and new baby. Wife? Baby? Uh, she calls this wrestling dirt sheet bullshit and refuses to believe it. So, Which is kind of ironic, given that they've got Dave Meltzer on the payroll. Right. Well, maybe she hates him, too. We know Andrade does. As well as as well as Alexa, as does Alexa Bliss. Well, I meant people who are working for AEW. Uh, yeah, we do have to narrow that list down, otherwise we'd spend the rest of the night here. Yes, just naming names. So, do you think Leva like catches Alex with his wife? It's about to get real weird real quick. Speaking of which, segment seven. John Silver annoys the fuck out of Layla Hirsch backstage. <laughs> or maybe she thought it was cute. I don't know. Uh, John Silver, by the way, definitely still drunk. Yeah. Uh, he then drinks her drink, which is a very bright yellow liquid, and may or may not have been her piss. She refuses to <clears throat> confirm it. Her what? Her piss. Her, her piss! 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 Uh, Alex, Alex, Alex Reynolds shows up and tries to tuck sense into Silver. Reynolds lays it on the line. No idea when Hangman's coming back, but they must go on without him. Let's recruit, but not for a Dark Order member. Let's recruit a new friend. Silver wants to know if it can be Batista, and Alex says, We'll see. He just wants to meet the raccoon. Probably. Any thoughts on that segment? Glad to see uh, Alex back. <clears throat> yes, he needs to um, rope in Silver, because Silver's getting a little bit too wild. <clears throat> yeah. Did you see... Uh, that's, sorry, stupid question. Did you see what happened on Dark Elevation? No. Uh, five fought... It was five and ten versus Uno, and I assume Stu. And Uno ended up ripping... Five's mask off, mm -hmm. and then five, the, the five got fired up and pinned Uno. Um, took the mask back, offered a handshake. Uno said no and left the ring. And so, still dissension, still dissension in the Dark Order. Why this is a storyline on Dark, I don't know. Because you'd think this would be on fucking TV, but it okay. It is on TV. We've got two segments now in two in in two shows talking about dissension in the Dark Order. You know what their problem is? They need a leader. I need a hero. A lot of people online are fantasy booking who the leader will be, a la the higher power. And actually, exactly what they did the first time with the exalted one. 
Sure, and yeah. people are saying Bray Wyatt. People are saying uh, Bo Dallas. People are saying all types of people who could be the next leader of the Dark Order, right? So, <laughs> what if it's negative one? I had a I had a bit of a I had a bit of a weepy moment this week because mm-hmm. uh, we've talked on the show about the AEW Elite GM game. Yes. So Amanda, Amanda Huber posted a video to uh, her Instagram showing her showing uh, Brody Jr. that he, that negative one is now a selectable, like a, 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 a signable, I guess you'd say, character in the AEW Elite GM game. And he's he's looks at his he, he scrolls through and he finds himself and he looks at his stats and he he looks in the camera and he goes, I'm stronger than Nick Camarado. Oh my god. And Amanda goes, you know why? They gave you the same stats as Dad. And I was like, huh. Aww. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah. But, um, I still think it should be Anna. Mm, no. <laughs> Nobody's gonna listen to Anna J. Unless she gets some serious fucking promo skills from now till then. <laughs> like. If you're going to be the leader, you need to be like Adam Cole was with yeah, the Undisputed Era. She's been fucking up stew. Anyway. Yeah, but she doesn't have that leader-like persona. Anyway, next week. Oh, that's right. I put that there. It doesn't go there. It goes here. Okay. Uh, tomorrow night on Dynamite. That's right on uh, Dynamite. Next week on Dynamite. Tomorrow, tomorrow night on Dynamite. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow Dynamite. Tomorrow night, uh, it is the first... Part of Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. Rampage. Two hours this week. Yes. Starting at nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Not ten to midnight. Nine to eleven. So we're, Rampage is going to go head to head with SmackDown for that first hour. Can't wait to see those fucking numbers. Anyways, can you imagine if WWE is just like? The dive continues. Turn in this week on SmackDown, where Brock Lesnar will be there to <laughs> confront Paul Heyman. There goes Rampage's ratings right down <laughs> the fucking toilet. All right, up first, uh, Dynamite Grand Slam. Uh, FTR versus Sting and Son. Uh, well, um, tell him, Hawk. Uh, I guess the idea is they'll get a bunch of heat on Darby and Sting will come in for the hot tag. Presumably. And then Tully will try to interfere and Sting will pound his chest and no-sell Tully's offense and lock him in the Scorpion Deathlock. And then Darby will hit the cotton, uh, cotton drop. Darby will hit the coffin drop on Cash for the win. That's my prediction. And then maybe Spears and fucking Wardlow show up and they beat up Sting and Darby, but I don't know. Uh, I don't to, know. I was trying to remember what Chuck Taylor called the coffin drop in that BTE segment a few weeks ago. <laughs> uh, Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho for the AEW Women's World Championship. What are you What are you thinking about just this? Blow, just blow directly on your microphone. <laughs> um, this one's tough. Should, should be a very good match. Yep. 
I yeah, I can see it going both ways. Brit wins thanks to Rebel or thanks to Hater, some kind of chicanery. Uh, Soho wins the title. It both makes sense to me. So my 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 thing is, you recently debuted Jamie Hater as Brit's new backup. She still has Rebel. This is Ruby's first title shot. Right. You kind of can't. I mean, you could, but you probably shouldn't have Brit lose. Right. With all that backup, Brit should win by nefarious means. Right. Which I'm fine with, because then that entitles <clears throat> Ruby to a rematch down the road. Uh, yeah, I would prefer them keep it on Brit, but in a way that keeps keeps Ruby uh, looking strong. Yeah. Yeah. MJF versus Brian Pillman Jr. <sighs> it's going to be MJF. Yeah. It's in New York. <laughs> Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. I don't want to talk about this one. Can we skip it? <laughs> CM Punk will talk about what I'm not sure, but he'll talk. He'll talk about getting put to a table as opposed to through a table. And Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson in non-title action. Because it's non-title and because they've been stressing this, I and because it's New York, I feel like Daniel Bryan's going to win. Who? Oh. Brian Danielson. There you go. Just remember that trick that I touched last week. Mm-hmm. So, Daniel Bryanson. What do you think about that? Do you think Bryan's winning or Kenny? This is another one that I can see going both ways, but like, but like you said, because it's non-title, uh, I'm feeling a Daniel Bryan win here. Um, yeah, because you know it, it's. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. It, it it wouldn't be like the Christian thing, and that the uh, the title match isn't going to come immediately thereafter. Yep. Uh, Brian's got to work his way up through the rankings, don't you know? Well, the other thing uh, <laughs> I can tell you, I don't picture Kenny Omega tapping out to the yes lock. This is a running knee situation, if anything. Oh, that knee that beat John Cena, sure. Yeah, this is <laughs> not a tap out situation. Knee plus. Yeah, um, yeah. But and that and to me that's the only reason why well depending on the type of match they have, you could do a a gimmick where Brian wins by um sheer luck, you know, some type of uh uh quick small package or something like that, but I don't know if you want to do it. But also John Callis. Yeah. That's true. So. All right. Rampage Grand Slam. Uh, 9 p.m. on Friday, Eastern Time. Lucha Brothers and Santana and Ortiz versus Private Party and the Butcher and the Blade. I'm actually uh, excited to see what Santana and Ortiz teaming with Penta and Phoenix will be like. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about the other side, but you know. I discovered recently that I actually am friends with Ortiz on Facebook. Oh. Aren't you fancy, Dan? I didn't even know. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like HFO's going under again, uh, obviously. But uh, it should be uh, should be fun to get there. So That's true. Uh, Penelope Ford versus Anna Jay. Uh, 
oof, I'd say Penelope wins, right? I don't know. You'd hope. And again, another string of them putting Penelope Ford in the ring with someone far less talented than she is. But again, that's the entire rest of the women's division. Um, no, maybe not the entire rest of the women's division. That's a good most, chunk. Most of them. I mean, after what happened this week on Rampage with the whole Nux thing, you want kind of wanted to get a comeuppance. So I would put Anna J over, but I don't fucking know. Uh, Super Click versus Geriatric Express. Super Click. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jake Hager and Chris Jericho versus the Men of the Year. I'm not saying I want this to happen, but I'm predicting that it's going to be Jake Hager and Jericho. Yeah. Which is sad because it's fucking Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page and they need to do something fucking with them. <sighs> CM Punk versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Pretty sure, pretty sure Punk's going to win. Um, although, you know, Hobbs is a big fucking guy, not the easiest guy in the world for the 40-something-year-old Punk to hold on his shoulders for a GTS. He's got the Anaconda. So I was going to say, so maybe we see the Vice. I still want to see a Pepsi plunge. Lights out match. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus Suzuki Goon. Uh, I don't know how many deals Suzuki is signed for. How many match de- how many matches on this deal? But uh, I would assume Kingston and Moxley win, and this is over. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. All right, so that's what you can look forward to in the next. Uh until we meet you again for episode 101. Let's move on to the news. Very quickly, what are you looking forward to the most at Grand Slam? Uh, probably Brian Danielson, honestly. Yeah. As yeah. much as I'm looking forward to the women's title match, it's, I mean, it's, it's a debut. It's an AEW debut. So. All right. No, um, I will say this. There's a lot of matches that should be fun, including the Super Click versus the Jurassic Express. But... Yeah, I, I'm obviously, I, I want to see what happens when Kenny gets in the ring with Brian Danielson. Now, mm-hmm. I am not expecting six stars in the Tokyo Dome, and I don't think <laughs> that would be smart. I don't think you should give it all you've got in your first match. Mm-hmm. This has got to be something that they can build off of. Like, as much as I hate to say it, Champa and Gargano was so white hot that the first time they fought, it was going to be very difficult for it not to be the greatest match that they could have. Uh-huh. Um, but we saw when it came back the second and third time around, we were like, eh, the first one was better. <laughs> Hell, we saw that with Christian and Kenny. Sure. So, I don't know. If you're going to revisit this, you don't want to blow doors because then where do you go from there? So we'll uh-huh. see. We'll see. All right, to the news this week. Starting off, uh, AEW has announced upcoming TV events for the Kansas City area, specifically Independence, Missouri, and Minneapolis, Minnesota. First up, AEW will be headed to the Cable Dahmer Arena on Wednesday, November 3rd for Dynamite. The what? The Cable Dahmer Arena on Wednesday, November 3rd for Dynamite. The Jeffrey Dahmer Arena, got it. Don't don't visit the snack bar. 
Later on, it'll be AEW making the company's Minneapolis debut at the Target Center for Rampage on Friday, November 12th. Tickets for these events go on sale this Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern on AEWTix.com. This seems to all but confirm other rumors this week that Full Gear's new location is the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, since that is Saturday, November 13th now. Mm. Fightful Select uh, had an update noting the Target Center employees have been uh, quoted as saying Full Gear will be taking place at the arena uh, and with Rampage taking place there as well. Seems like that uh, Full Gear at the Target Center is all but confirmed, but there has been nothing official as of yet from the arena. In a recent interview with WrestleTalk, AEW star Ricky Starks revealed a big update on the AEW Rampage announced team, stating that he would permanently be replacing Mark Henry on the show moving forward. So that experiment went well. Uh, when discussing his work in AEW, Starks mentioned the move while noting that he wants to contribute to, uh, content, sorry, wants to continue to explore his talent and try different things, saying, quote, I am definitely proud of AEW, the work that I've done in AEW and the work that I continue to do, and the fact that I think so much that they appreciate me that they made me a, a permanent commentator for Rampage, replacing Mark. So I love the fact, that fact, I love the fact that the work that I've done with Sting, Darby, and all these things in such a small time frame will last on forever. I want more, though. I really do. I really want to push myself more and really explore the depths of my talent and get out of my comfort zone a bit, unquote. So, um, yeah, we made it uh, five episodes with Mark Henry on commentary. <laughs> so, two sides to this. Number one, um, hmm, Ricky Stark's full-time commentator. Is he having neck problems? Hmm. Hmm. Time will tell. Second, uh, look, for Mark Henry was technically with the WWE for almost 20 years. Okay? Maybe 20 years. If you've, you know, you go back to 96 when he first signed and, and all that. I don't think he did commentating more than a handful of times in that entire career. And every time he was a guest commentator, it was in character. So... You're asking somebody who's been in this business for a very, very long time to do something that they've never been comfortable doing on TV. That doesn't seem fair. And by the way, we don't have a developmental, so you're going to be live on Friday night. Good luck, pal. <laughs> doing doing four different things. Yeah. We talked about that before. The fact that they expected him, they expect him to be a commentator and a backstage interviewer, and you know, uh, thank God he still gets box and box and box and box. I mean, I, I guess at this point I'm cool with it since he, if he still wants to be on the show, then I guess this is a way he can be on the show. Um, and it's better than having him on commentary because he feels like a deer in headlights over there. Which again, not his fault, but mm-hmm. when you're on the air, there's very little training you can do. Uh, Stephen Amell did an Instagram Live on Friday where he noted that he will be at next Wednesday's show in New York City's Arthur Ashe Stadium, saying, uh, while talking about his work with his partners, uh, with, sorry, talking about his work with partners of his knocking point wines, Amell noted that, quote, I've got my kayfabe wine out at the moment. I'm going to be at the AEW show at Arthur Ashe Stadium in Flushing Meadows on September 22nd, and I'll bring my goddamn ring gear, okay? Stephen Amell hopping in the ring at, uh, Grand Slam. Wouldn't surprise me. Yep. <laughs> to Amel, be honest course, with Stephen Amell, I'm surprised it took this long, considering him and Cody are like best friends. Mm-hmm. And Punk's on that Heels show as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, he is the star of Heels on Stars, which is not doing well. But uh, yeah. yeah, but 
I mean, what did they expect from a a wrestling focused drama series on stars? <laughs> I like it, but I also like Black Sails, and that shit got canceled after like two seasons. Huh. All right, the big news this week came out uh, yesterday, I believe. Uh, yeah, yesterday. Well, today. Well, uh, yeah, yesterday. Let's read the press release. All Elite Wrestling and the Owen Hart Foundation, a nonprofit charity which provides a vast range of assistance and opportunities to individuals in need across the world, are collaborating to honor the legacy of late wrestler Owen Hart, a beloved figure in the professional wrestling community and beyond. This collaboration includes launching the annual Owen Hart Cup Tournament within AEW, which will see the winner receive a cup known as The Owen, as well as the production and distribution of unique and original Owen Hart merchandise, including specified retail goods, as well as the upcoming AEW console video game. This alliance incorporates opportunities to develop Owen Hart action figures via AEW's partnership with Jazzwares, apparel, posters, and additional collectible merchandise. Owen Hart is survived by his wife, Dr. Martha Hart, who spearheads the Owen Hart Foundation with a mission of providing global aid to at-risk communities. Uh, uh, a, quote, AEW's relationship with the Hart family dates back to our inaugural pay-per-view event, Double or Nothing, in 2019, and Owen's influence is still felt today, unquote, said Tony Khan, AEW CEO, GM, and head of creative, quote, to extend his memory and his legacy even further through this agreement is a powerful and meaningful moment for the entire wrestling community, unquote. The Owen Hart Foundation is extremely pleased to partner with AEW in this wonderful joint venture to honor Owen's substantial international wrestling career and the lasting influence he and his craft has had in the sport. AEW's Owen Hart Cup Tournament serves as a tremendous tribute to Owen and provides an incredible way for professional wrestling enthusiasts to celebrate his work in a most fitting way. We trust that Tony Khan and his amazing AEW team will do a brilliant job with this highly anticipated project. This OHF-AEW partnership is my special gift to all of Owen's magnificent loyal fans who forever remember him and his inspiring repertoire of talents said Dr. Martha Hart. Uh, of course, Owen uh, has not appeared in a major uh, wrestling video game since WWF Attitude 22 years ago. Uh, he was in Legends of Wrestling 2 in 2002 and Showdown Legends of Wrestling in 2004, but the less said about those games, the better, because they were terrible. Yeah. Um, the uh, of, of course, the two sides of the wrestling internet, the, the two factions are... Uh, at constant war over whether this is the most amazing thing to ever happen in the history of professional wrestling or the most offensive thing to ever happen in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, Sal, what do you think about uh, about this? <sighs> this one's rough because um, how dare I not instantly like uh, them honoring the memory of Owen Hart? How dare I? I must I must be a terrible person who didn't like Owen. No, I loved Owen. This seems to have very little to do with him and more to do with, well, Martha won't work with WWE, so let's stick it to WWE by working with Martha and then we'll also get people really invested in this tournament and the merch because we'll attach Owen's name to it. It's just, what? look, you cannot tell me that the people who run AEW <clears throat> are not doing certain things based on the fact that WWE can't do certain things, such as work with Martha Hart. You cannot tell me that that's not probably the driving force or the driving reason for them to do these things. It does. It, it does to me uh, come off a little bit strange. Mm. 
um, because obviously because there's been there, there, there was never a relationship between Owen Hart and AEW or Owen Hart and the Khan family. Um, like you said, I I I appreciate someone honoring Owen's memory. Um, uh, as soon as I watched the Dark Side of the Ring episode, I went to Pro Wrestling Tees and bought one of the T-shirts. There you go. Because I because I was I was that I was that excited that there was Owen Hart merchandise for the first time in 22 years. Um, so I I I am looking forward to seeing what they do with this and how this plays out. It it's it's hard not to feel a little. I don't want to say creeped out, but a little, just a little kind of uncomfortable or with cynical it. or like not, not cynical really, but just uncomfortable because is it, cause you know, deep in your, deep in your brain, you are still, you know, is this just a money grab? Mm-hmm. Is this just, Hey, look at us. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> with that said, um, the, the Owen Hart foundation is a fantastic charity. Mm. That does that does fantastic things around the globe, um, and is well worth supporting by by anyone. Um, and so, if you know, if if AEW is going to make that connection and 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 make that partnership and support this charity, then then, then good on them. Why would I not support that? You know, right? And, and yes, we have learned the Owen Hart Foundation is great. And they do great things. And Martha and Owen's kids said on that documentary, you know, that they're trying to do things to honor their father's legacy. They also said that they hate wrestling because they feel like wrestling took their father away. Mm -hmm. I understand things change. Time heals all wounds. But if I'm Martha, why would I work with another wrestling company? And see, I get it, it. There's a whole contingency of fans that want to see Owen honored. Right. But Martha's never given a fuck up until this point, and it's well, been 20 to be, years. To be fair, that's because there's never been another option. Yeah, sure, but I mean, if anybody there's, was going to honor Impact, Impact Wrestling is not going to be like. Hey, can we how can we work with your charity? No, they don't get along with the Hart family, considering that they inducted Earl Hebner into their Hall of Fame. Right. <laughs> so it's so, so yeah, they can say you know we'll never work with WWE again, and that's fine, and that's understandable. But there's never been another option for this. I am a bit confused about the video game portion of it. Will it be cool to have Owen Hart in a video game again in 2021? Yes, but uh, I don't know anyone who's like, yay, I can finally put Owen Hart versus Kenny Omega. I can finally put Owen Hart versus Darby Allin. Those aren't the matches you want to have Owen Hart in a video game for, you know? Right. But, But, uh, you know. Yeah, um... I'll... I'm I, I'm I'm fully approaching this with a wait and see thing in terms of this tournament, this this Owen Hart Cup. Uh, calling the trophy the Owen is still really fucking awkward to me. It is, uh, but we'll see. I I am going to take a wait and see on this and see how this plays out. My other issue too, like in the past couple weeks, 
we've gotten way too fucking casual about the night Brian Pillman died, right? Because of Jim Ross, specifically. And Giovanni, <laughs> who feeds into it. The last thing I want to hear, though, on Dynamite is any mention of Over the Edge or that night or anything. Don't fucking do that. Because then it's it's going to be a bad look. Because mm-hmm. then you're just like, well, you know, we like being a company that doesn't put people 50 feet in the air and make them drop from the ceiling. <laughs> That's what it fit. Because then it turns into a fed bad thing. And okay. Are we doing this to honor Owen, or are we doing this to be spiteful towards WWE? Because I don't really prefer the latter playing out on TV. Mm -hmm. Especially if Martha's going to attach her name to it, and the foundation. Yeah. So, oh yeah, um, I'm not, I mean, we've talked about this in the past, I'm not subscribed to either extremist point of view in the wrestling internet right now. Sure. Um. So I, I don't think this is the greatest thing to happen in professional wrestling, and I don't think this is the the worst thing to happen in professional wrestling. I I want to see where I want to see where this goes. I want to see how this plays out. I am I am interested. I am intrigued. I am I am happy to I, I will be extremely happy to see someone to hear someone say Owen Hart's name on wrestling television again, and 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 you know be able to to hopefully honor his legacy in an appropriate way. Um, I, if I can, I will probably, honestly, I will probably buy an Owen Hart action figure on Ringside Collectibles. I will pay the markup for that, since they don't fucking appear in stores. But I, I want to see where this. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. They have my attention. I want to see where this goes. Sure. So. And to be honest, and I hate to say this, but it's the truth. Perception is reality. So if they don't present this in a uh, respectful and uh, I don't want to say elegant, but um, appropriate fashion. It will be very transparent right away. Mm-hmm. If this sure. feels like a money grab, they've already lost. Yeah, if this feels gross, then yeah, we're, I'm out. Yep. And then there's no going back because we're always going to be like, yeah, remember that time they got a bu- they got a bunch of money to have an Owen Hart tournament. <laughs> And Martha signed off on it, and then they both made a bunch of money off of Owen merch. Like, yeah, that would be that would be gross. <laughs> All right, so I got anything else? Uh, I do not. It's very late, and I'm tired. I could tell. That wraps up episode 100 of the AEW Rundown. Uh, for those of you that have stuck with us this far, we appreciate you. We thank you. We love you. Um, we'll see uh, what happens in the next 100. Uh, <laughs> that's almost a scary thought uh, until next week as always be safe stay sane be kind uh, and be well and remember you are not alone 1-800-273-8255 1-800-273-TALK if you're in the US and you need to talk, some, talk to somebody give them a call uh, until next week but also wear a mask well the, I mean you just didn't say it this week so you say but also but under, yeah get your shots until next week. Well, I guess that means that we'll all rampage next time.
Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You have been listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit rundownwrestling.com for all of our shows, as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there, or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundownwrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at rundownnetwork. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling, and you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash the saleser effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production. <laughs> <laughs>